Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. And today I'm with the one and only Wayno. How you feeling, man? Oh, man, I feel I'm honored to be here. I'm excited. I was looking up Wayno <laughs> interview today, and I feel like there's still a lot of room for us to produce like the the ultimate breakdown of who Wayno is as okay. a person for the people out there. There's a lot of people who watch you all the time, and they don't really know anything about your background. Yeah. I'm a little limited in my knowledge of your background, so I think this will be very valuable. No, absolutely. It's a lot of people that only know me for certain things. So they might know me for this, but didn't know I did that. They mm. know me for this, but didn't know I was attached to that. Like, so it's a it's a puzzle. It's definitely a puzzle. Let's dive right into this to start things off. Yeah. You hang out with academics four days a week yeah. at four o'clock in the morning. What, ti- <laughs> what, what time know. do you get up? I get up like five. Four, well, I get up at 545. They send a car to my crib at 545. So oh, that's sure. my alarm clock. I get up at like six. Like I get up around like six twenty, six fifteen. I'll be at the, the most, house by six thirty. Is that the most rich you feel in an average week? Is when that car picks you up? And it's like, <laughs> damn, this is the life. Nah, man, I feel I feel rich with my kids, man. Mm, my kids make me feel answer. that warm. You know what I mean? Mm. For real. But I, I'm trying to get rich for real. Like I'm trying to get on my shit. Yo, was it hard to get into that mind state of getting up super early to do that job though? Nah, not really, because I always had job. Like I always, my, like I grew up. My mom's was a job developer, uh-huh. so like. I learned to get up and even though I didn't finish school and shit, like I learned getting up responsibility. I had many jobs. Like I've done a lot of shit in life, mm. you know what I mean? Gotten up for good reasons and bad reasons. So mm. I don't got no problem getting up in the morning. Okay. So as long as we're staying on this topic though, like mm-hmm. let's just talk about like you getting the everyday struggle gig, what it was like. Cause it, you know, it's just weird to think there was that period of sort of turmoil. There was a lot of guest hosts. You were yeah. doing it for a while before you were the official host, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, for a little second. Star had his period. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you even start having the conversation about becoming the co-host? Well, let me tell you this, Adam, like I never in my life ever imagined being on camera for nothing. I like, the way I came up, I wanted to be a behind-the-scenes guy. And I was a behind-the-scenes guy. And I was being successful as a behind-the-scenes guy. That's but, interesting because nobody ever fucking wants to be the behind-the-scenes guy. Everybody right. wants to be the rapper. As soon as I hear a kid say that they want to be the behind-the-scenes guy, I immediately yeah. am very optimistic about their career. Well, I wanted to be a rapper when I was a kid. But mm. like I grew up around a lot of like a lot of my homies I grew up with was rappers. And like once they started having success, I didn't want that. And then like when I was a teenager, I was like, I was at Rockefeller, like my late teenage, early 20s years. So that was my time to kind of try to jump on camera, be in people's videos and shit. And then I didn't get, I didn't make anything out of it. So mm. I was like, you know what? Maybe I just need to fall back, you know, focus on getting one thing right and then just do that. But like how I even got on there, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I do know, but it's funny because everybody was telling me like, yo, after Joe left, I ain't want to watch the show no more. I was like, me either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like Joe, my man and like. 
when he left the show, I just was like, the fuck is going to happen? That's big shoes to fill because he's like arguably one of the best dudes at talking about rap in the game. Absolutely. I, I definitely give him that. But like, I didn't look, I, see, because it wasn't something that I was trying to do, I didn't look at it as shoes to fill. Mm. Like, I literally, I got it, like, me and the Deska, we got a really good relationship. Cause like um, when I was managing um, like certain artists and shit, she used to uh, she interviewed a few of them. So you know, one day I always hit her up, just same way like I always hit you up. Yo, Adam was good. How you doing? I hit her up on some what's up shit. She like I'm good. She was like, Yo, um, you should come through the debate. I'm like, Word. All right, cool. I go through through the first day of the show, and then they was like, Yo, that's the most fun we had in a long time. And I was like, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Mm. Went home, and then she hit me and chops the producer. He hit me. They both hit me like, Yo, would you come back? And I'm like. Come back for what? And then they like, yo, we want you to come back. And I'm like, all right. And then we did the guest host thing. And then um, I think Joe was it, it, Joe was 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 having conversations with them about potentially coming back. Mm. Um, and it was around the time when he was figuring out his revolt shit. And um, this was I was already on the show when this happened. Mm. You know what I mean? I was already on the show with with Star. And then they told me like, yo, you know, it's a chance that Joe might come back. Uh, if he doesn't, you know, we we want to explore some things. I'm like, cool. It's, it's ancillary for me because I never wanted to do this ever in life. Mm. And then, you know, um, the first pull up mm. ever that Joe did, uh, Joe asked me to come come to his crib and I did that. And we had a conversation and he was like, yo, I ain't going to lie. Like, like I like seeing you on there and I think you're doing good. I think you should go with it. I'm going to go do this revolt thing. And mm. I'm like, shit, like to get the blessing from, like that's my dog. So like to get that from him, it just kind of lifted a weight off my shoulders. Like I didn't have no shoes to fill. That's actually really cool to hear because I always wasn't really sure what note that was left on because I think in the past I heard Joe say that he hadn't seen an episode of Everyday Struggle since he left. And mm. I was wondering if that was some sort of low-key shade as in that he didn't even care enough to check one out. Yeah, well, I mean, he was, like what's funny was like when I first got this crib that day, he said, I can't shit on complex, you know what I mean? Cause you my you my dog and you on there. Right. So like we got that, like we've we've had a good rapport. Like um when I was working at Rockefellers when Joe was at Def Jam. Mm. So I've known him for years and then like through Twitter is how we really got more cool. Mm. And then like just we I just started being around him a little bit more. You know what I mean? And he was like, he said it, he was like, yo, you doing good on that shit. Like, and I think you should stick with it. So it was kind of dope, you know what I mean, to get that from him. It's just so interesting because Everybody is out here just having conversations about rap. Like everybody, you know, there's probably fucking a hundred dudes that in your life you sat down and ended up talking about rap for an hour. Yeah. But then just the idea of then doing it on camera, was yeah. that just like kind of weird to you to even be considered somebody that was good enough at talking about rap that they wanted you to do it on camera and get paid for it? Yo, I, I swear, Adam, like I ain't going to front. So that shit kind of came right on time for me because it was like. I was transitioning out of managing Davies. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I was transitioning out of that. And like, I was good, but like, I needed to figure out what my next thing was gonna be. And like, right around when that came, it was right on time. I, I didn't even, it, it came so fast for me, I didn't couldn't even think of none of that shit. I just was like, all right, well, I don't really know. I like, I, I'm in the barbershop talking with my niggas for years. We talk shit about rap music. I used to get on Instagram live and do this thing called free throws where I used to like talk with, with uh, everybody and just talk about like how they could get on their game and get into the game. And I used to talk about music on there too. And it kind of like just the Instagram live shit kind of built a little platform for me, for the people that follow me. Mm. So I didn't have a problem like just speaking. I don't have a problem speaking, but like to do it on a level where 
Now when I walk outside, motherfuckers is stopping me like, yo, can I take a picture? I never imagined that. Mm. So I kind of got thrown in the middle of the ocean and had to swim the shore. It's like, so you're telling me that you think I'm that much better at talking about rap at the barbershop than all these other guys in the barbershop? Yeah, That's yeah, kind of an I, overwhelming idea at first. But I didn't even, like, because that's just what I do. Like, you know what mm. I mean? Like, we, I'm from Harlem. Well, I'm from the Bronx and I'm from Harlem. You know what I mean? We argue. Like, we argue about fucking... Rap, we argue about sports, we argue color about the shirt. streets. Yeah, huh? yeah now nah, the color. Your shirt looks stupid. You know? <laughs> the color of your shirt, your sneakers, your jacket, whatever. We, I've been doing that shit since high school, so it's like second nature to just debate. My mom used to tell me when I was a kid, like, yo, you should join a debate team. Because once I became a teenager, I started questioning everything. Mm. So me and my mom used to have back and forth. She's like, you should join a fucking debate team. You want to talk so much. That's so a good sign. Because <laughs> I was always that kid, too, that I'd be arguing. My mom always goes, why do you always want to argue with me about religion at six in the morning? <laughs> You know, I feel like that's a really good sign when you're questioning everything and you yeah. want to have conversations. Like, so did you consider yourself a smart kid like your whole childhood or is that something no. you kind of blossomed into at a certain point? Fuck no, dog. So I, um, I didn't, I thought I was, you know what it was? I really used to think I was stupid because I, I thought I was stupid because like I wasn't as good as everybody else academically. Mm. So I thought that like, I really believed for a long time, like if you excel academically, then you're smart. I really believe that because right. I, I had like self-esteem issues when I was younger really? only because like certain shit that teacher said to me. Like mm -hmm. I always joke about it, but I feel like I should have been in special ed. Really? Yeah, only, only because like special ed was a more condensed class. I couldn't focus in a room with 35 kids. Mm -hmm. Like I wanted to play, I daydream and shit. But so, everything you're saying there sounds pretty conducive to you eventually going on to getting a job doing something creative that you yeah. weren't necessarily comfortable being constrained and in this box because I yeah. felt the same exact way. Yo, no bullshit. I used to draw when I was a kid, so like same I, constantly. I, yo, I I would wake up. I would take all my comic books. I would wake up nine o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. This is when I'm like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and I would draw. I'm talking about from nine in the morning till ten at night, just draw. And they wanted to put me in like schools to draw and shit, but then my mom started telling me I'm gonna go to school for drawing. I was like, I don't want to do it. Really? Because I didn't want to. I, I was doing it for my leisure. I didn't want to do it to make nobody else like happy. Like. But I wanted to draw fucking X-Men all day and mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Once they start telling me draw shit and geometrical shapes and yeah. I'm like, I don't want to draw that shit. Uh, That's not same fun. exact way. I was so into <laughs> drawing comic book characters, but yeah. then I got a book that showed you how to like draw all the shapes before you actually start yeah, drawing yeah. the book. And it was so offensive to me to think that I had to learn this like technical thing to that's do why this. I, yeah. That's why I'm not that's why I don't work for the MCU. Like if mm. I if I could have did that shit, maybe I could have went on to do something like that. Right. But like um so I, I had I didn't think I was smart. But you know what what showed me was well, I was smart was when I was like a teenager and I started trying to get into the streets. And like, I would be around like 40, 40 niggas and like, I'm smarter than all of them and I'm not the leader. Mm. So I used to sp like, I'm, I'm around all these people that's telling me to do stupid shit and we doing stupid shit together and I'm smarter than them, but I'm not even the person leading them. Mm. So that's what kind of like the streets, like being in the streets and like I drank gangs and shit when I was younger and that, that taught me structure, ironically, like you're not supposed to learn structure, but it, it taught me a lot about order and like protocol and how to deal with shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And Was your idea of the streets though, just straight up that you were going to be selling small amounts of drugs on the street or was it more about just having a bunch of homies around? That you nah, I was, I was, I went, I got into gangs in the streets cause I was pussy. Mm. Keep it hundred. Like as a man, I could say that. Like now, I like I'm not. But when I was younger, I moved. Like when I moved to Harlem, I grew up in a place in the Bronx where it wasn't like it wasn't really bad. Like it, it bad shit happened, but it wasn't really bad. Mm. And then like I was a kid, so when I moved to Harlem, gangs hit really heavy and drugs was really heavy. And I gotta go 
Like now I could open up the door and go outside. Mm -hmm. So I got to figure out like how I'm surviving this. So my my thing was like, I got to attach myself to certain things or certain people in order for me to make it home, make it home. Cause that's what was happening. People was getting hurt. So I kind of joined in the shit that I didn't want to be into just to kind of get by. But like the crazy thing about that is when I started hanging around all these dudes, they liked me for me. They didn't like me because I was a part of what they was a part of. They just liked me for me. Mm. So that kind of helped me in a sense too when I was transitioning out of a lot of that shit. Okay, I got you. Know you. I mean? Yeah, so like the personality just yeah. sort of shined through. I was I couldn't stand on my own too. Like I ain't gonna lie, I, I didn't really have a lot of stability. Like for five years, I lived in five different places and went to five different schools. So Why I was didn't, that? Your, fa your family was moving around? Yeah, but not for bad reasons. Like, like I grew up like in the Bronx, I, I was like, the, the same, when I was born, I lived in the same building from when I was born till I was like graduating from fifth grade. Uh -huh. In the fifth grade, my mom like got a better job. We moved like a mile down, like to the other side of town. Then sixth grade, she had my well, fifth grade, she had my little sister. Sixth grade, her, and my little sister, father, like we gonna move to Maryland. We moved to Maryland for a year. Seventh grade, I do seventh grade all in Maryland. They break up. We gotta move back to New York. Mm. Come back eighth grade, grad, and we went through the shelter system. Going through the shelter system, that shit was tough. And then graduating from eighth grade, going to ninth grade, we get out the shelter system. Now it's time for us to move somewhere else. So just a whole lot of instability. So you, yeah. didn't, you didn't really feel too secure or safe in your surroundings. Nah, not really. Because right? I don't. I got like out of kids, like my dad got eight kids. I'm number six out of eight. And uh -huh. I don't really know like my older siblings and shit. Like right. I, just, I just got cool with one of my older siblings this year that I only met at one time in my <laughs> life. You know what I mean? So. Right. I didn't really, I didn't have nobody. I could, I get into a fight, I couldn't call no big brother. Mm. I couldn't call no, so. I mean, you say pussy, like you were pussy, but at the same time, I mean, in that environment in New York, especially when you haven't <laughs> been around all these dudes 100% growing up there and everything, I mean, yeah. it's very understandable. There's a lot to be well, scared let me, of. Let me not say put. I just was like, I want, I want to say pussy because I don't want a kid to see this and think that you just, like, you just, it's like you, you, um, I just wasn't confrontational. Now, my thing was, I would fight. But I was an instigator. Mm. Like I, I just wanted to have fun and draw, draw fucking cartoons and play video games and ride bikes. I didn't want to get into no no problems. Mm. But the thing was, it was like I w I also went run from a problem. But and I was just was like, you know what? If uh, I'm thinking like this, also I'm going through shit with my mom. I'm becoming a teenager. I think I'm a man. I think I know everything because my dick get hard. Like you know what I mean? Like you know how that shit is. Like you start getting uh, you start getting a little bit of pussy as a teenager. Now you done mastered the world. Mm. So like I was just a little bit confused, and I was like, I'm a man. Like I and I did want to sell drugs because like a lot of my friends like when I moved to that neighborhood. I, I'm, I live. I grew up on the east side of Harlem, mm. and when I moved over there, every other 13 year old they all sell crack. They all buying their own Jordans. They it was own, really like that? They felt yeah. like everybody was selling crack. No, listen, if you're from Harlem, like my era of Harlem. So like my era, I moved to Harlem in 96, but I was going there a lot when I was a kid because my grandfather lived there. But my era of Harlem, you either go to school, you play basketball, or you sell drugs. That's it. Hmm. There is no nothing else. Like everybody, you get money, you either getting money. Or you playing ball. If you don't succeed in ball, then you end up selling drugs. If you don't end up like nobody, I was around went to college. I'm the I'm like the most successful person in my family. I'm a high school dropout. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that shit is crazy. Mm. But it, that's what I was around. So like I'm I'm around a kid. And and think about this. Like I'm come home from school, ain't got no money. My man twin, right? I I asked my man twin. He was a, like a, it was like three sets of twins on my block. But this one says twins. He's selling crack. I'm like yo, I'm hungry. He like you hungry? I'm like yeah. He like. Let's go to Burger King. I'm like, I ain't got no money. He like, don't worry about it. We go to Burger King. Some chick come bring us 
bunch of big ass bag of fucking Burger King. Give it to us. I'm like, how you get that? He like, I be selling her crows. Like, I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? Then I, yo, I ain't gonna front. I seen, I seen a dude on my block, a, a white dude come to my block and and sell a Lexus for sixty dollars. <laughs> I swear to God, I kid you not. I promise. Because he was so strung out. He sold a Lexus, a a, a ES three hundred, for sixty dollars to a bunch of fifteen year olds. What? That's serious. Just because he needed drugs that bad? Yeah. So my my man, we look in the car. He like. He like, we like, who car is this? He like, it's my wife's car. We look, it's a Junior Mafia CD in there. We like, you know, your wife ain't listening to no fucking Junior Mafia. My man's like, fuck it. They bought the car. They joy rode around in that shit for a day, crashing and just left it. What the fuck? You know what I mean? But that's that's how growing up in Harlem was. And right. then I, I grew up on a block where that blood shit hit heavy. So mm. it's like, you got to figure out what you going to do when you come outside. Like what year? Like, was it Dipset making it cool? Nah, it wasn't no Dipset. Okay. The camp... Cam wasn't even out as a rapper at that time. In 96, yeah. He didn't come out until like 2001. 98. No, no, 98. For me on the East Coast, Cameron happened in 2002 with Hey Ma. What? We didn't really know about him before that. I mean, if I had been paying a little more attention, I, I mean, would have known. I mean, Cam dropped his first album in 98. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, mean, like, we, I just wasn't into it. Confessions of know. Fire. Yeah. But um, yeah, so like, now nah, I wasn't Dipset making it cool. It just was like, see, the shit is the gang shit in New York. It started in prison. Hmm. So like, it's dudes coming from out of prison into the streets and implementing that mentality on the youngins. Mm -hmm. So like, it's really ruthless. Like where I grew up at was crazy. Like I didn't even know what fucking, I didn't even know what trauma meant until like four years ago. I'm 36 years old. Really? So it's mad shit I seen as a kid. That you I, can only now identify as trauma? Yeah, I didn't even know. Cause it's like, it's stuff that bothered me every day. Uh -huh. Like I think about certain shit and it'd be like, like I could just be having a good day and I might, I walk past, I go somewhere and I walk past and it, it, it triggers me as something that I seen when I was a kid. Right. And I just be like, damn, that's kind of like, I see it, but I didn't know that like, I should have talked about or talked to a person about the things I seen when I was a kid. You just live to go on with it. Like, you know, it's like not a thing. When I think about Manhattan, the most cops of anywhere I've ever been in my life. Is it crazy being a low level criminal in Harlem trying to get your fucking rocks off every day and you got this much level of surveillance, especially? I mean, I, this is years ago, but yeah. still. Well, I mean, I ain't gonna lie, yo, my block, like, I seen a lot of people like get crazy money on my block, but they also caught crazy indictments. Like it's mm -hmm. like it goes hand in hand. It's like like selling drugs is like getting fouled playing basketball. Mm -hmm. You know what's gonna happen, you just don't know to the degree or the level. And you don't know the repercussions of it. You might get fouled and get knocked the fuck out and catch a concussion. Or you might get fouled and be able to shoot some free throws and still play. Mm -hmm. That's how that shit is. Like I, I seen a lot a lot of my friends, like, they was going to jail and in high school, like they going to jail for selling crack. Going to do a month and spawn for it, coming home, and or going to like eventually end up going to Rikers, coming home. You know what I mean? Like, so it was, it was like a revolving door. Like, I the, the place that I grew up at in, in Harlem is nicknamed Convict Alley because in all of New York, in like a certain parameter of proximity, it's the most repeat offenders in all of New York. So I grew up in a place where you more likely to go to jail, come home in six months, or come home and go back to jail for whatever you did or something worse in six months. Mm. And I had to figure out. How am I gonna live? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how am I gonna get past this? Right. You know, so. So, when you start to think that this wasn't for you, and how long did it take before you started fucking with music industry shit? Was that the first legit stuff that you started to do? No, I was always like, I was, I was working like little regular jobs. Like, even with me, like, I, I wasn't, I would never sit here and proclaim that I was like, I was on my block moving this and moving that. Right. The most I, I did on my block was look out. I looked out for people a couple times, get a couple dollars doing that. You know what I mean? And, and then um, 
I started selling like little weed and dabbling dabbling a little shit like that. And then later on tried to fuck with other stuff. But that was kind of a rebellion. Like I, I really got into the streets too as a rebellion to my dad. Mm. Cause my dad is like one of the most respected street dudes in the Bronx. But he kept, he never like, he told me not to do something, but why not? Like he never told me don't do it because of this. He just said, don't do it because I'm your father. And I didn't live with him. Right. So I just was like, nigga, I'm not listening to you. Wow, so you always yeah, had a weird perspective on street shit because you knew that your dad was kind of famous for this? I did at the time, like my dad, like I didn't know what my dad, my dad was a number runner. So my dad used to run numbers and shit, but then I found out that my dad was known for all types of other shit. Mm. But like when I'm finding this out, he's still trying to hide it from me. I'm 13 years old. Like you you can't you you can't hide shit. Kids are smarter than the parents think, and I'm a parent. Like right. kids are smarter than, than you think. And um he was trying to hide certain shit from me. And I was like, why the fuck I'm going to listen to you and you doing everything you telling me not to do? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So it was kind of a rebellion to my dad. To, you got to give your kids, you. You, you have to give them the full argument. You got to really try to explain shit to them because then someday somebody's going to try to get them to go the other way. Yeah. And you want to give them the, the full tool chest, if possible, for them to understand why they should make the right decision. But I understand why they don't. Like mm-hmm. now that I'm a man, I understand why my dad didn't. It's because like I view my dad as like, like even though we didn't, I didn't live with him. He was like the most. He meant the most. The man that meant the most to me in my life. So it's like I didn't. He didn't want to tell me shit because I guess he didn't want me to view him a certain way. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I respect it now, but it's just confusing when you a teenager and you trying to figure out. I, I told like I every year I only had like one friend. You know what I mean? I, I only had like one best friend. I didn't have a crew of friends I was around until I started fucking around with like gang shit. Mm. So it's like I didn't. I I'd had no stability, so I'm looking for you to like, yo, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not getting that. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? So I, I did it as a rebellion, but I started the transition to doing other stuff uh, when I got uh, like 17, 18. But my mom, like, she helped me get like summer jobs and shit. So I did summer jobs okay. and stuff like that. And um, and so who who in the music side of things? What was the first opportunity you got? Or the first thing you did? Shit, I mean, working in the mailroom uh-huh. at at the Rock. Well, not at the Rock. I worked in the mailroom where Rockefeller was. So I worked in the mailroom. I didn't even, Rockefeller wasn't even my floor to deliver to. So you had nothing to do with Rockefeller. You nothing. were just working in the mailroom coincidentally? So, yeah. Like, all right. So look, you seen the movie Backstage before? Uh, I can't remember. So Backstage is 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 uh, Jay-Z going on a Hard Knock Life tour. Oh, where he right, takes right, right, DMX yeah. and uh, Redman and Method Man mm-hmm. and they do this big ass tour for all these crazy dates and all that shit. And that movie came out in 2000. I was 17 at the time. I seen that movie, and when I seen that movie, I said, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do, but I'm going to get in this shit. Mm. And I had dropped out of high school, and my mom was like, yo, listen, I don't mind if you're like if you not going to go to school right now, cool, but you got to do something. I'm not going to be coming home, cooking, cleaning, and you just sit on your ass all day. So I had got a job interview. I ended up getting a job. The two places I was supposed to get, uh, that I had to not pick from, but the, like it was like three places. It was 825 8th Avenue where I ended up going. Some other place in fucking World Trade Center. <laughs> exactly. You know? Wow. And this is 2000. Holy shit. So and I'm 17, so I get. So you feel like you're meant to be here? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Because I, I absolutely could have went. It was people that we, when we all took the test, they was, oh, you going to World Trade Center. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? So wow. I, um, I get the job my first day. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just delivering mail. And they they take me up on the floor. They showing me the ropes. And I come around the floor and I see like the whole corner of the floor is like red. It's just red and all these posts. And it says Murder Inc. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, 
I'm like, why? Like, I'm a kid. I'm 17. I'm like, why the fuck is there all this Murder Inc. stuff in here? Mm-hmm. It's a building. Like, so they like, um, we 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 do that, and then we go to another floor, and then I go to the the 27th floor. And Murder Inc. was on 20th floor, and then I go to the 27th floor, and it's Def Jam, and I'm like. And I'm like, yo, what is all of this stuff here? Like, I just see a Def Jam logo. I'm like, what is this? Like, I still don't know where I'm at. Yeah. And then the guy's like, yo, this is where all the record labels at. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, you Holy serious? Shit. Yeah. So that was like working in the mailroom. But the the way I got my first first start was start selling Memphis Bleak's checks. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Bleak was getting it back there. But not um Omieli McIntosh. She worked for Jay Z's fan club called Fan Fam. Uh huh. And her and Dara. Dara worked at Rockefeller. Omi ran Jay's fan club, Fan Fam. And like they would ship out, you know, this is no internet at this time. So this is like kids is writing in letters saying, I love Jay-Z, send me a t-shirt or some shit. And I'm helping them pack t-shirts after work. Cause I was a kid, like I was the youngest person there. Everybody else is like in their 20s. I was the youngest person in there. So they would let me help out after work. End up getting fired from the mailroom a year later. What for? Um, it was a box that was supposed to go to Def Jam that this dude he left on the floor for me in the freight area. And I forgot that it was there. You know, whatever's left in the freight area gets thrown out. Uh-huh. And it was contracts and shit. Oh. So all that shit got thrown out. And then like the hammer came down. They like, whoever was involved got to get fired. It wasn't even his fault. You know what I mean? Wow. And he got fired and I got fired. But when I got fired, I um, I worked at a fucking sneaker store around my block uh, for like a couple months. And then I hit my, um, my homegirl up, who now is Shari Bryant, the president of the Rock Nation. She was an assistant to an assistant. At Rockefeller, and I just asked her, like, we ran the same age. I'm like, yo, can I just help you? Could I come there and help every day? I didn't even know what an internship was. I just like, can I help? She like, yeah, come through. So that was my start. Wow. That's and, crazy. Yeah, that was the start. And then, a, like, lo- a lot of people wouldn't want to just go help out for free. But you definitely saw the long-term benefit. I don't know what the fuck. I just didn't. <laughs> yo, I swear to God. So look, around this time, um, this one, I'm like 19 now. Like, this is like one of my first friends I've ever had in my life. He got murdered. You know what I mean? So he got killed and then like like just a lot of other friends I had was going to jail and and I was like, I want to do something because I knew that if I didn't find something to do, then I was going to be back into what I was trying to get away from, what was right. the streets. So I um I just wanted to do something. I wanted to do anything. I didn't give a fuck. Like my first three months of being at Rockefeller, I just used to get people food. Mm. I didn't do anything. Like end up getting an assistant a r position like six months in though. Really? Yeah. How do you prove yourself? I got cool with um, Chris and Neef from the Young Guns. Uh-huh. So we all the same age. So like, you know, the Young Guns at the time, we was like, damn, was we 17? No, I think I might have been 18 at this time now. Yeah, I was 18 at the time. Not when he died, but like, yeah, 18. So I just was like, yo, one day I, I found Beanie Siegel's mother's name on a piece of paper. And I just, I liked the Young Guns and I liked all the Philly artists so much. And I felt like they wasn't doing nothing. So I called, I just... I could have got fucking expelled from everything for doing this, but I picked up the phone and I called Beanie Siegel Moms and I was like, "Hey, Miss Michelle, um, my name is Wayno. You know, I'm interning up at Rockefeller, and um, I just wanted to call you because I like all the guys from Philly and I, like I feel like they could be doing more, and I want to know if I can help." And she was like, "I feel like they could be doing more too." <laughs> every mom ever, <laughs> yeah. every mom to every rapper. <laughs> yeah, she's like, "I feel like they could be doing more too." So. I just took a shot and called her and we sat on the phone for maybe 20 minutes and she said, I want you to go to the studio and you tell them that I sent you there. And I'm like, all right. And I went to the studio and then like, I was just sitting around and then like- Your mom's told me to pull up. 
And I got in trouble for that shit too. You did? Yeah, because I'm going to the studio and like I'm just pulling up at the studio and like Jay is in there, fucking Kanye is in there doing beats, the Young Guns is in there playing pool, Beanie Siegel in the other room and Just Blaze in the other room and I'm just a kid just sitting there with nothing to do. <laughs> so everybody's like, who the fuck told this kid? Like, like I know like it was used to be days I come in there and like Jay or Biggs, they just would like look at me like, who the fuck let this kid in here? Or Dame like. They'd be like, who let this kid in here? And I used to do dumb shit, like say shit to them, like, yo, so, and they just would look at me like, yeah. who the fuck do this kid think he is? Yeah, it's hard for a lot of young kids probably to understand that when you're in that environment, that yeah. if you start asking some fan-ass questions, oh it's so weird when, especially in like a studio where this yeah. rapper feels like he's just working like center of the fucking universe right now. And for yeah. then someone to bring in that weird energy, yeah. like, so did, did you piss anyone off or what happened? Of course I pissed people <laughs> off, yo. I remember one night I went there and like, like the next day I go to the office and Shari was like, do not... Go to the studio again. Don't go. She just kept telling. She's like, do not go to the studio. Don't go to the studio. She kept telling me that. I'm like, all right. So I'm like, I'm not going to go. And then one day somebody somebody was like, I think young Chris was going on prom. And somebody was like, yo, we need you to go to uh, Louis Vuitton and pick up a jacket we brought for him. So I went. I picked up the jacket and I brought it back. And then me and him just was chilling and talking that day. And then like, like I said, we was all around the same age. And then it was like, they was heavy in the streets, like crazy. And mm -hmm. I was like, was kind of getting off of that. But like, trying to get off of that, but I'm around them. So I'm like, fuck it. I just started hanging around them. And then like once I got in with them, that was it. I started working on their mixtape. Um, started uh working on state property albums, and then Beanie Siegel took a liking to me. Me and Beanie Siegel got really, really tight. You know what I mean? Um, he uh like I became Muslim being around them. Really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So it was like it was it was a, a learning experience, but if I hung around Beanie Siegel enough, I'd probably be Muslim too, man. I'd be kind of scared. <laughs> like, he takes shit real serious. Nah, I ain't gonna lie, man. It's so funny. Like I remember, like I was, I think I did Charlemagne's podcast. He asked me a question about, about Beanie Siegel. He said, "Well, he had did something to me." I said, "Yo, and like in his in his day, he had did something, and nobody would have helped you, bro." Like, really? Yeah, he was. I ain't gonna front. I watched men tremble in his presence. Really? Yeah, he's a terrifying real. guy, huh? I mean, at that time, yeah. Was like, he on mad drugs at that time when you were hanging out with him too? Nah, like, you know what's crazy? It's like, they all smoke and they did drink, they drink um, syrup and shit. Because Beanie was a very early guy on he, East Coast lean drinking. He was talking about it, but nobody knew who he was talking about. Yeah. I didn't even know what he was talking about until I started seeing him do it. But it wasn't, like, you see how now, it could be a bunch of, like, chicks in the room, everybody pouring up. They, they didn't do, it was like a private thing. Mm. So it was like, y'all got to go out the room. Like, lean yeah, is like, the definition of guy stuff. Like, for real. Like, <laughs> no girls allowed. Stay away. Nah, y'all got to get out the room. One time I had some girls pull up to my crib and they had lean. I'm like, I don't, that is the most ratchet thing I ever seen. Yeah, girls yo, are not supposed to have lean. Dog, if and you that, do, you're a killer. That lean is a motherfucker, bro. It really is. Yeah, I tried fucking with that shit too. And that shit, like, just being curious, fucking around, and it's not nothing to play with. You know no, what I mean? But yeah, he, like, thing. we was, that, at that time, Beans was like a, he was a force to be reckoned with on every level, on a music level, on a street level, you know what I mean? The crazy, confirm this for me, because- mm -hmm. Beanie Siegel, when we're talking about him, he's like one of the best rappers of that Absolutely. era by far. Absolutely. Is it true that Jay just saw him on a stoop in Philly or some shit and just walked up to him and just kind of knew that he was going to be, that he could be a dope rapper? No. Well, I wasn't around at that time. Right. Like, I was way younger than that when they when he got around him. But the story is that is his, his brother named Sadiq from Philly, and he knew Jay and them or whatever, and he brought Beans up. You know what I mean? He brought Beans okay. up, and then Beans just rapped for Jay for like an hour or some shit. And then okay. he was like... And then he put him on Reservoir Dogs or some shit like that. Because yeah. somebody told me that 
Jay just knew that he could be a great rapper mm-hmm. before he even heard him rap. And I'm like, that seems so improbable that he then would actually be as good as he was. Yeah, I, I don't know. I know Beans, like, man, he's a, yo, I, he used to tell me that he, like, used to write, he used to rap in his sleep. And I ain't believe it. I, I lived with him. Like, when he was on house arrest fighting his uh, attempted murder charge, like, I lived I lived with him and he really do rap in his sleep. Wow. Like, he, he'd be sleep and he'd be saying, like, certain words and then he'd walk around the house saying it and then, like, one day you he record and he just say the shit you heard him saying in his sleep. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But he's he's special with that shit. When you look at somebody like Beanie's career, what, how how do you feel about him not really having made it or it never really got to the level that it was supposed to? Right? Like he has a huge amount of respect, but was never yeah. really able to transfer that into like record sales and shit. At that well, time. he sold records. Right, like that's yeah. the thing. He did sell records. Like he was yo. He might have been richer than majority of people around in his his class that was selling records because I don't know how Rockefeller had it set up, but you sell a certain amount and you was good. Mm. And he was, he had fucking two Bentleys, big ass, like he was living great. Right. And um, he did go gold on every album he ever put out. He wasn't a platinum selling artist, but gold, I mean, now go a, a new artist like Tekka, whoever yeah. go gold, we like, oh shit, a kid sells 65,000 records the first week, that's big. Yeah. Jada Kiss was selling fucking 240, 300,000 the first week. And people, because it was in that era, nobody don't give a fuck. Nobody don't look like look at it that way. Yeah, you, know you need I mean? like a nation streaming your project though to yeah. equal out to like a quarter million actual CD yeah, yeah, sales. Yeah. It, it got to be crazy now. Yeah. But I mean, like with Beans, I just I'm not disappointed for him. I, I wish it could have been better. Mm. You know what I mean? But I, he did accomplish a lot. You know yeah. what I mean? He accomplished a lot. But I think a lot that um, didn't go right with, with him was because he. He wasn't knowledgeable on certain things, like right. on certain levels. Like he did know a lot of stuff, but just when it came to business, I think he was a little bit late learning business. And I didn't learn that until I got older. Cause right. I thought he knew everything when I was his little man's up under him. You know what I mean? But once he like once I got older and started learning the business, I'm like, oh, he didn't know that. Uh-huh. Or he didn't know that. Or he might have just been a little bit reckless with this, but you know, it's a learning curve. So you're A and R Rockefeller and you're mostly dealing with Chris and Neef and Beanie or like what what are your roles at that time and how um, are you how are you making yourself useful? Well, I'm I'm doing at this time I'm just doing whatever's asking me. But like I'm uh I started going so the the way I got really good in with the, the Philly dudes is my man Ryan Press. Ryan is like right now he's the fucking president of Warner Chapel Publishing, yeah. but at the time like he had a his crib was a studio and he managed a producer by the name of Chad West, and they produced all the rec- like they was the guys in Philly. So like if you was an up and coming rapper in Philly, you went over there to do records. So I got I like befriended them, and I became like they little homies. So I'm making sure that there's some synergy between. You know, Oskino and Sparks, like uh, or Petey Crack, and all of them with Chad West and Ryan. And and when it's time for us to pick songs for the albums, I'm picking songs like like Biggs and and Beanie Siegel and them. They letting me pick songs for the for the Young Guns album. They letting me pick songs for the um for the State Property album. So mm-hmm. it's like that's where my influence came in because I was the young guy. Like right. now I'm fucking I'm about to be 37 in December. Holy but, shit, but, I never would have guessed. For that. Real? <laughs> I thought you were probably 27, 28. Nah, man, I'll be 37 in December. You are aging well. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. You don't smoke cigarettes? I don't smoke nothing. There you go. That's got to help. <laughs> but my uh but um I was the little, I was the young guy, so like now I keep young people around me, so I'm ahead of the curve because mm-hmm. it's a certain it's certain shit I'm just not fucking with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But they let me know what it is. Like my son is like my A and R, right? You know what I mean? Like you were my just son, saying that he wasn't fucking with J stuff. He, he do, J-Hams. but not really. Like he don't really eat. Like he like like his favorite rapper is Meek. Like his favorite rapper is Meek, Drake, Young Thug, fucking uh, Dirk. Mm. Um, 
Well, he he fuck with Tekka, OD heavy. Really? Yeah, he loved Tekka, yo. Tight. Like he he fucks with um like he he was the one like we get in the car and we going some like to his basketball game. And he want to throw a little pump and shit, and I be like, man, I don't want to hear that shit. He be like, man, pump is fire. You bugging like you know what I mean? Was he already off pump? He don't really listen to pump because he just was like, yo, he like my son like with pump pump never really made like a lot of music that he got into mm. outside of the singles. So yeah. like, but he he know like. He know more little pump songs than I do. Right. You know what I mean? He listen to that shit. Like it he listen. It's crazy when you got a like a young kid and like you first start seeing them getting excited about rap. Yeah. It's crazy just watching it sort of play out and just oh, yeah. and just knowing that there's nothing that you could do to like shape their taste that they're they're just blossoming into it really. No, absolutely. Like my my son, he helped me. I, I signed my artist TJ Porter. He signed a Def Jam because of my son. Uh -huh. My son put me on to his music. Really? Yeah. So like my son was. Like every day, like we go to his basketball because my son play ball. So he'd be like, let me listen to TJ Porter. Let me listen to TJ Porter. I'm like, all right. And then one day I was taking him and a few of his friends to a game. It's like five of them. They in the car and they all asking to listen to TJ Porter. I'm like, all right, I put the song on. They singing that shit word for word. Uh -huh. I'm like, and at the time, my son 12, at the time he was 10. I'm like, if you got 10 year old kids singing your shit word for word, you got something there already. How'd they even find out about him? I think they said that they, they was at like because TJ played basketball too, so they was like that they was at a basketball game and uh, somebody said he played he rapped or he told somebody at SoundCloud, so they just looked him up and they started listening to his music and then sharing it right. amongst their friends. But when I met him, he had a song that had like seven hundred thousand streams on SoundCloud, and all he's doing is playing basketball and going to school. Right, you know what I mean? So I'm like, shit, come over here. You know what I mean? <laughs> Groomed him for a year and then he got signed to Def Jam. That's crazy. Yeah, my son, my son, I credit him for that shit. So what happened with the Rockefeller shit? Like, how how did you? Continue to grow there, or did you just abruptly leave at a certain nah, point? Nah, I mean, when Jay and Dane broke up, that was yeah, it. Yeah, what changed there? And what was your perspective on that? I was fucked up, bro. Really? <laughs> I thought, look, look I, I wouldn't have never got fucking Harlem tattooed on my hand. if I, Like, at the time, I'm thinking, I'm going to be at Rockefeller forever. I'm mm. 20 years old. I'm going to Jay birthday parties, Beyonce there, fucking every actor. I'm hanging in this loop, and I'm a young kid. I'm thinking this shit is never going to end. And then one day... That shit just was like boom. And so you didn't know that Jay was totally unhappy with Dame or with whatever nah. the overall situation. Well, I didn't. Well, I did. Like when I look back now, I kind of did, but didn't. Because the thing was, it was like it came to a point when all the Cameron shit was happening, and mm -hmm. like Jay stopped coming to the office, and Jay used to always come to the office, or then he would come to the office and he would go to twenty eight, but he wouldn't come up to twenty nine where Rockefeller was at. Mm -hmm. So, I, but I never thought of it. I'm just thinking, oh, Jay's busy. But then I would go, I would go to the studio with Chris and Neef, and we see Jay, we'd be around Jay. But then I go somewhere else, and we around Dame. Mm. But I was around Dame a lot. But Dame never spoke badly about Jay when we was around him. Like he never said nothing about what was going on, and that was in the epicenter of that shit. They never like we didn't know it just happened. Boom, one day it just, and it was like go with your mother, or your father. Like really, it was like who do you go with? And I didn't know what to do. I went and got a regular job again. Really? Yeah. You were that disillusioned by it. you didn't try to saddle up with either camp. Nah, because you know it's another thing too. I didn't know I didn't like really know how to build relationships. Mm. So like at Rockefeller, we didn't really we used to fucking everything. We didn't a, a young kid that works for OVO right now, I'm I'm pretty sure like they've got relationships, but they thinking that that's never gonna end. Like you never think cash money's gonna end in the at the peak of their level. Especially on your first time being associated with something, because yeah. say it's like the third label that you've been associated with, then you start to realize like, oh, this shit is all gonna change over Yo, time. Bro, they ushered me in. I didn't know nothing else. Mm. Like I didn't, I was like, that's why I started. That's what I was at this time. I'm, I started there at 18. At this time, I'm 22, 20, yeah, 21, 22. So it's like, 
what the fuck else am I gonna do? I don't know what to do. I'm just like, let me go get a regular job. Mm. You know what I mean? That was like, that shit was a, that hurt. So where'd you go to work? Jamba Juice? Fucking Fresh Direct. Fresh, what's that? It's like this place in New York that like fill orders for fucking groceries and right, shit. That's what I, I only saw, did yeah. that for four days. Oh, okay. I worked at Bed Bath and Beyond. I worked at. You meet uh, a lot of girls doing that? In Bed Bath and Beyond? There was a lot of girls there, but I ain't meet no girls there. There's gotta be a lot more girls than guys. I was doing overnight before. shift, like overnight stock. Ain't no girls there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> After when it's closed? Yeah, yeah, yeah probably no, no girls, girls there. Not the ones you want. Like. <laughs> the other girls, the right, other right. employees. But I did that, and then I did, like, I worked back in the mailroom again. I was even embarrassed to tell people I was a part of that shit because I was. it was no Instagram. Who the fuck is going to believe me? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm telling people, like, yeah, I met Beyonce before. Yeah, right, nigga. You lying. Like, get the fuck out of here. Where's your picture? Wow. And I mean, I didn't have pictures and none of that shit. So I just, you know... And I, I did um, that for a few years. I worked at Channel 11, which is, what the fuck is Channel 11 out here? Pix is what? Damn, what the fuck is WSFL? Not WSFL. Whatever it is. It's, um, I never even watched cable in LA. I've been there 10 bro. years. Well, yeah, I did uh, I, I did that for a bit. I got laid off from that job, rehired, and then got laid off again. And that last time I got laid off, like I had a kid on another kid on the way. And wow, that's got to put a lot of pressure on my you third, this shit, huh? yeah, My third was on God the way. Damn. And and I was 29. I had a thousand dollars to my name, and I said I'm never getting a regular job ever again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, I'm not. I'm gonna just try my shit. I mean, and so what that turn into? Like, what, what did you start pursuing at that point? I started my management company. Oh, okay. I started my management company. Well, I already had the idea for it, but I tried to do streetwear. Like, you know, it's crazy. I, I was doing, I tried to do streetwear for a little bit. Like, it's crazy. Like, Nipsey wore one of my hats one time. Really? Cause, yeah, because I met Nipsey through Smoke Dizzy. Okay. You know, Smoke Dizzy, me and him is childhood friends. We grew up together. Really? Yeah, we know, I known Dizzy since we was like 13, 14. I, I kicked it with him and Duke the God and fucking Hell yeah, Rell and shit back yeah. in Harlem one time. Right. In the fucking projects. They sent me an address. I showed up as these big, Ass brick buildings. I'm yeah. like, where the fuck am I? <laughs> right. Yeah. But yeah, I, um, so Dizzy introduced me to Nipsey, you know what I mean? And then Cameron, like Cameron was working with him at the time. He did the Breakfast Club and then like she was like, Go bring some hats. Uh-huh. And I brought a hat. He took pictures in it, but my streetwear shit didn't work out. And then um I fucking I started the 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 uh management company, did that for a bit, had some producers, and then like that led me to meeting like Dave East. You Your know story I mean? is crazy because you've got a lot of like fucking horseshoe up your ass moments where you just got crazy lucky. <laughs> yeah. But then you also have so many things that are just sort of like the standard like thing that you have to go through. If you want to be a dude yeah. in the culture, you might have to have a fucking clothing brand that don't really go anywhere oh, just, nah. just to learn your lesson. I mean, to roll it all out, I did tons of shit, bro. Like, I mean, like, even being at Rockefeller, I almost went to jail, all types of shit. <laughs> like we was reckless, yo. The young guns, we was the young guns, we was young guns. We was carrying guns everywhere. Like we was wilding. Yeah, you know what wild, I mean? Like huh? Neef caught a gun charge one time. Me and him was together, he caught a gun charge. That was another eye opener for me. Mm. You know, when Neef caught a gun charge and then Jay wanted to have a conversation. That's the first conversation I had with Jay. Jay wanted to have a conversation with about me. him having a gun? Yeah, with me. Like as in he you got, can't be letting him run around like that? Yeah, because we was at guess where you got caught a gun at? Where? The Tribeca Film Festival. Oh my god. <laughs> what they have a metal detector or something? Yeah, man. It's the I mean fucking Robert De Niro is pulling up. It's the Sundance shit, all that. Everybody playing their films. <laughs> oh my we god. We went there, like, you know, the, the police pulled up on us and like we tried to get up out of there and they they uh they locked Neef up and then um they gave me the money to go bail him out. And then the next day I bail him out 
And then I get it. That's when two ways. Remember two ways? Uh-huh. I get a two way, and it's like Jay wants to see both of y'all at baseline right now. Does your heart sink like oh Absolutely, no. <laughs> my shit drops to the bottom of my feet. But it wasn't a bad conversation. We get there, and then Jay and Neef had some words, like not no bad words. He just was asking like, "What's up with him?" And then he walked out the room, and then uh, Jay asked me, "Did I know my role?" And he's like, "You know your role?" And I'm like, first of all, I didn't know he knew who I was. And secondly, he like, "Do you know your role?" And I'm like. Huh? And he's like, you don't know your role? And I'm like, what you mean? I thought he meant to take the gun charge. Oh, shit. <laughs> but he didn't. No, he didn't. He just was like, yo, he said, you from up here, right? I'm like, yeah. He was like, you know, where they from is a different place. Like, them carrying guns every day, like, that's how they live. He was like, you know, he said, you see Tata? I'm like, yeah. He like, I'm the reason why Tata mother never have to work again in her life. Uh-huh. He's like, Chris and Neef could be the reason why your mother never have to work again in her life. If you know that they... in putting themselves in bad situations, like having guns or doing dumb shit, you got to pull them to the side and like be the rationality for them. Because if not, then you won't be in a position where your mother ain't got to work ever again in her life. Right. And I, and at that time, I think I was 20. I just was like, I never thought of it like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, along my journey, I went through a lot of bullshit. Man, that's the crazy shit about being Jay-Z. It's just that he could pull you aside and like have that quick conversation with you and just hit you with some straight facts. Yeah. And he knows that you really are probably going to listen on a level that you're not going to listen to your parents or whoever <laughs> because they're not Jay-Z. That's that's crazy. That's like yeah. cuz that's a real ass conversation, but it's also the kind of conversation that you might hesitate to have with a lot of people because you feel like motherfuckers just ain't going to listen. Yeah. You, you know? know what's crazy though? Like what I learned and it's like I learned like the importance uh, of like your voice like like for me I have a voice like even in my neighborhood you know what I mean like I'm respected in Harlem I'm and I I say that to say this like as a man ain't got nothing to do nothing to do with no street shit you ain't going to go to Harlem and they going to tell you yeah Wayno was blaming at him and he was doing this and he was like you know what I mean I had I had fights I had all types of bullshit but that's not what I'm respected for I'm respected as a man in Harlem mm. like from old people to little kids to in between so it's like a lot of people in my neighborhood they look at me like like a shining example of a person that they knew that actually made it or mm. did or what they think of making it. Cause I don't think there's no real making it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but you made it in a way that's a little bit more attainable than absolutely. the guy who comes out and becomes a rapper because most people sort of know deep down inside that they ain't gonna be a rapper. Right, exactly. But you kind of have that dream of like being like a media personality, AR, like all these different things that people who are really paying attention to the industry are starting to realize like those are paths that actually make sense to go down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like for me, I, so I'm really careful about how I speak. You know what I mean? Because I know like the same way I talk, like when I, I watched Irv Gotti when I was a kid, I watched Dame, I watched Kevin Lyles, fucking tons of people speak. And I just used to always like idolize how they spoke and what they was about. So it's like for me, I'm very cognizant about how I handle myself, how I articulate myself, because I don't want nobody getting the wrong impressions. Like I'm not, I'm also not gonna tell you that everything is sweet. Cause it ain't sweet. I done got cracked in my head tons of times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I done cracked some niggas in their ass too. But it's like that's not what my life is about. My life is about like pivoting and figuring shit out so that you don't have to be in a bad position. And right. I got respect for that. Yeah. You know, so I take that shit with pride. So mm-hmm. you start a management company and then yeah. you meet Dave East right away and Nah, it, not right away. No. You know what it was? I was managing these my producers, uh Buddha and Grands. You know what I mean? I met Buddha like through uh uh, Amadeus and then like me and Buddha we was trying to sell beats and that's a tough game so it was just like yo if we could just get one artist that we could get all our beats on and we get them signed and maybe we make some money so it was like that and then I, I, the way I met Dave East was um, 
I was at a, I was, I was host along this way. I'm hosting shows. Like I was hosting shows like at uh, SOBs to get really? like a little hundred dollars extra a day. Cause you know, you say that you're not going to get a regular job. You better figure out how to feed them fucking kids and pay them bills. Right. So I'm doing that. And then like, he was one of the artists on the showcase and it was a few artists on there that I knew, but he just, the way he rapped, it, nobody rapped like him. Yeah. And then like, we just got cool over a year. And then one day I just hit him up. I was I was like, yo, I was telling people like, yo, I want to really get this kid. And I was like, yo, I hit him up like, yo, what you doing? Nothing. I came seeing him. I was like, yo, what do you like? Anybody managing you? He like, nah. He like, I just been doing this shit myself. I said, my, I said, I'm gonna make you rich. I said, I promise you, I'm gonna make you rich. And I was like, um, watch what we gonna do. Like as long as you follow like the game plan or what it is I want to do, we gonna be good. And like, we made it into something. What did you start actually doing with him at that? point because I've had a lot of different situations where I'm having a conversation with a young artist and yeah. I feel like damn they could use a manager but I never really had it in me to really actually bite it off because it seems like so much work and yeah. I'm so consumed with this shit that it's kind of hard to imagine what did you start to do to, to develop this shit well like so the first thing I did he was working on a tape called Black Rose uh -huh. so like he was like yo I want to get a feature so I got like I say yo you know Smoke Dizzy he's like I know of him I'm like alright I told Dizzy I'm like yo I got this kid you know what I mean he dope I brought I brought Dizzy through his spot. They sat, smoked a hundred blunts, and he was like, "Yo, I like him. I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the verse." Did that, and then um, my producers they did like the last track that ended up being his intro on Black Rose. So um, I used my resources like along the way, like along the way of me doing all this Rockefeller shit. I met Meek Mill like when I was like sixteen, like when Meek was sixteen, I was like twenty. 21. Mm -hmm. So I met Meek Mill. So I had a relationship. I've had a relationship with Meek Mill since for like over. Shit, oh, before he caught his charge. Wow. You know what I mean? So I knew that Dave was a rapper as rapper. So I had to put him around other rappers. So I introduced him to me. You know what I mean? Built that synergy there. I had a rapport with Styles P. Put him around Styles P. Put him around Jada Kiss. Mm -hmm. Put him around the locks. That value. And then that, around this time is when like Mass Appeal is reaching out and Nas and all that. So once the Nas cosign came, it was like, all right, let's get him. My ideology was like, let me just get him around like other people that could could understand that he was dope because I thought he was super dope as a rapper. Mm -hmm. So I got him around other rappers that thought he was dope, and then like we learned along the way. You know, what I mean, I didn't know shit about management. I right. just was like let me take a shot. So we we learned along the way, and then like we 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 did tons of great work. You know, what I mean, we both got out the hood. Were you really working with him in the studio a lot too? Were you were you getting directly involved in the music? Not, nah, not too much. Well, I would give suggestions. Like, so I would, like, sometimes I would put my A&R hat on. I never told him to, like, change no words. Like, I never said, yo, don't say that, say this. Mm. But, like, it would be little shit, like, um, it would be certain songs that I'd be like, yo, we should put this person on that. Or I'd get him beats. Like, I'd get him beats. Like, I built a relationship with him and Jalil Beats. Mm. So I got him and Jalil Beats. They did a record. I'm like, yo, let's put this person on it. And he would have his own ideas. So we used to, like, work together, bounce ideas off each other, and then, like, I would give him suggestions to like make certain type of songs. So he had like, it's two songs that's on Kyrie Chanel that I hope, like, I didn't write these songs. Uh -huh. I just gave him the concept. You know what I mean? So it was um, a Jane song that I was listening to every day, every day, every day called Sending My Love. And I was like, yo, we should do this joint over. So we did it over. And it was like, I said, but yo, you should talk about people that's in jail. You know what I mean? Like sending your love to them. And he did that. And then we got Seventh Street on that. Uh -huh. And then we did another record where, um, it was called Don't Shoot, where I told him, like, it was like, I think it was around, like, 
right after the mic. You know, black men is always getting fucking killed by police. So it was like one of those. <laughs> uh huh. I mean, there's so many that it's kind of yeah, hard to remember. Yeah, it was which one of them. Which, it, I can't remember which one, but it was something. And I sat one day and I thought about how when I was a kid, like I wanted to be a cop by watching TV, watching Police Academy, watching fucking Chips. You know what I mean? Like you watching, I'm watching comedy thinking that cops is cool. That's actually but, really interesting. I, I can't remember a time that I thought that it was okay to like cops because I knew about rap from like eight years old. And for I real? always felt like that was the first rule of rap is that cops are bad. Fuck, but, but, I, but see, I'm talking about like kindergarten real, first yeah, grade right, second right. grade yeah but i'm thinking about like and then as i got like the first the first time i seen a cop do some foul shit i was around like eight or nine years old really yeah what was it it was um my my uh my cousin we was going to the store he was taking me to the store he was might have been like 13 or 14 and i was like eight and they jumped out pushed them up on the wall i was a kid so they didn't do nothing to me but then like he put coke in my cousin's pocket and then he took it out. But I was standing right there. I watched him do it. And he looked at me and went like this. You know what I mean? And then when he took the coke out of his pocket, he like, look what he got. And started beating him up. They didn't even lock him up. They just beat him up. Holy shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I seen that when I was a little kid. So that's what changed how I felt about police as a kid. If you see that at that young of an age, it's like, there's no going back. You're never going to yeah, be able yeah, to yeah. trust the police after exactly. that. Exactly. That's so it's crazy. Like, so then as I got older, so I told Dave, I'm like, yo, um... I said, you gonna do a song where I said I want you to do a song where like you 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 rapping, but you're a little kid and you talking about like how cops ain't that bad. And then as a teenager, they start fucking with you, you know what I mean, a bit, and your voice changes. And then when you become a man, they pulling you over and you just trying to get home and then you get shot at the end of the song. Wow, that's a and good I, I gave I just told him the concept and he was like, Oh my God. And he 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 took like a day. I think he brought his father to the studio. And he sat and talked with his father for a long time. And then he called me the next day like, yo, I got the record. And he did it. So, like, that's the kind of stuff that I kind of helped out with Dave with. I never, like, you know, I never wrote no bars or said, yo, you should say this or change the hook like that. I just would give suggestions, like, mm -hmm. from an A&R type of point of view. Did you, were you with him when he got signed? Yeah, I got him signed. How did that go? I mean, like, yo, I got, like, yeah, I was a part of it. Like, and was that, like, a the biggest payday that you yeah, that was the biggest that, that was the life? biggest payday for both of us right i mean the thing was like a lot of people don't know but we was trying to work out a situation where it would have been like rock nation and mass appeal and it was going to be jay-z and nas and dave whoa you know what i mean and we we almost made it happen but like it just business it didn't it didn't work out but um yeah man i, I never forget yo like i um you know we we had the first conversation and then we did when it was time to do the deal i sat in the room like it was his birthday uh, me and his lawyer sat in Def Jam from 9 p.m. on a Friday to 4 a.m. But I called him like he was at the club partying and I called my man. I'm like, yo, bring him to the office right now. It was like 3 o'clock in the morning and his contract was done. And he signed that shit and it was like the biggest moment we ever had. And then You were in the office that long negotiating different points on the contract? Yeah, me, me, Dave, no, not Dave was there. Me, Dave's lawyer um, and Def Jam's lawyers. Holy shit. And we argued for all night. I mean, they all we all love each other, but like reading contracts is so crazy. I like after I sat there all them hours, I was like, it's no way possible y'all motherfuckers can read books. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause like sentences, capital letters all mean some different shit. Right. But yeah, we did that. And then like that's what got us out, like that's what got got us out the hood. You know what I mean? Wow. Like that was the biggest payday. I remember like, you know, when I got that check, I just was like, I woke up, looked at my bank account, seen that bread, I was like, I'm moving. Wow. So my girl, like we out of here. That's crazy. Yeah. So you actually went went hard and like moved out of your out of your area you were in. Yeah, I was living in the projects at the time. When you moved Jersey or some shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That must have felt liberating as fuck, huh? 
I mean, it, it did. Like, you know, it's crazy. I always give myself a new, like, bar. Like, it was like, that's all I ever wanted to do is move out the hood. So I had to find a new motivation mm. after that. You know what it I mean? can be kind of depressing when you get that thing that you've had in your head. I, that's how I felt when I, I wanted to open a store for mm -hmm. so long. And I finally opened the store. Yeah. And not only was it like, holy shit, there's way more work for me to do now. But then it was also like, now I can't just think of like, oh, I'm going to be happier once I have a store. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you think you would just be happy like, because you, you just have the store. Nobody tells you about all the logistics. Because now you got to figure out your next goal. Yeah, And that's exactly. super depressing. Yeah, man. So it was like, you know, we did that. And then, um, you know, we couple like, next year, like we split. You know what I mean? Like we split after that. Why was that though? Did it just stop, stop working out or synergy yeah, wasn't it just, the same? Yeah, it just wasn't like, we just wasn't in the same, we wasn't thinking the same. Mm. Like, you know, what the, the ways that we was thinking, he was thinking, you know, a certain way how he wanted to do things. And I didn't want to do things how he wanted to do things. And he didn't want to do things the way I wanted to do, do things. So we just... We separated, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? We separated and then um, I just went on to like keep doing my thing and then I ended up at Everyday Struggle. Wow. You know what I mean? And then um, signed a few more artists, you know what I mean? I got another artist that signed to Epic, um, Daniel Munoz. He's like a pop star. I met that kid oh, at really? Walmart. Oh, wow. Yeah, and then- um, In Walmart? Yeah, I met him at Walmart. What, would you just say to him like, hey, what's up? I like, nah, I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> The fuck is a jib? I don't know. Cut of your jib is like a way of saying you like the way somebody is like you like their style or their attitude or something. Oh, that shit sounds. That's some crazy. weird ass white people from the fifties. <laughs> where, nah. where did that come from? But nah, he just he walked up to me and just you know asked me could he send me some music and shit and oh, I was okay. like all right cool you know what I mean and then got cool with him for over a year and then end up doing this deal through, you know through triangle offense at Epic. Has it been weird for you to go from somebody who you know even if the only thing that you could say for yourself was. I worked at Rockefeller for a while. I worked under these dudes, and then I got Davies signed. Like, if that's your whole rap sheet, that's a pretty solid rap sheet in the music game. There's not a lot. A lot of people haven't done that much. Yeah. But then you go and you do every struggle, mm -hmm. and now you're famous. Like everybody knows who you are now. Yeah. It's like, how does that? How does that work? Like to have you already had like a rap sheet of like industry work that you had done and shit, but then yeah. all of a sudden now everybody actually knows you for talking. Yeah, it was kind of crazy, you know, because like I'm not used to. I'm not used to people stopping me and like wanting to take pictures with me and you know just wanting to talk to me. It's so funny because whenever a person like gets five seconds with me, they try to get like their version of everyday struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they be like, "Yo, Wayno, what you think about that?" I'm like, "Dog, I'm just trying to you know, I'm yeah. trying to cop a pair of sneakers. You know what oh I mean? Trying to go to the movies. Like it ain't that type of party." But um, it's kind of it's kind of ill, man. I mean, I appreciate it though. You know what I mean? Because I never, I ain't gonna front at him. Like I ain't think I'd be shit, yo. Mm. I, like, I didn't think I'd be anything. My mom always told me I'd be something. But deep down, I really believed it. But, like, to be something is a surreal thing. So, like, whenever people approach me, like, I'm, I, I give them my time. You know what I mean? Like, if you're respectful, mm. you know, I give them my time and, and, and say what up to them and all that. It's, it's, it's ill, but I, I love it, man. I love my life. I wouldn't trade it for nothing else. Was it hard for you to build rapport with academics? It's very challenging to create that sort of chemistry uh, on camera. How hard was it to build that? It was kind of... It wasn't chat. It was kind of funny. It's, it's 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 ill. So like you know when I get there, you know we there with Star and you know then the Star shit stops and then I'm on there, and then um that's in the middle of the whole Takashi shit, and I got my reservations about like how I feel about a lot of that shit. Mm. You know what I mean that he was doing, and I I wasn't jacking a lot of that shit. You know what I mean, and I was um I was telling Act about that, and then I also had a perception of him. But I, I was like, I was a fan of his work because I watched, I tuned into like all his blog shit mm. just to listen to him and stuff. 
Not I just like like hearing him talk about like the one shot rack, all that shit. And then um like working with him was kinda like I didn't know who he was and he didn't know who I was. So we never was standoffish, but I was kinda like, I don't really fuck with this nigga. Like mm-hmm. when I first got there. But like Ak is a really cool dude. You know what I mean? Like aside from what everybody may think about him, and he do a lot of shit that tons of people question. But mm-hmm. what I have to deal with him for. Opposed, everybody don't have to deal with him for what I deal with him for. Mm-hmm. So like, he's really a cool dude, and I fuck with him. You know what I mean? But I, I, uh, we had our moments. You know what I mean? Like when we had, like when that whole Takashi shit came down, we had an episode that got kind of like, like I kind of went hard on him. Mm. But the reason why I went hard on him is because he was doing shit, saying shit about my name when I was in the round. Like I did the um, the pull up shit with Joe, mm-hmm. and he, I remember he did a video. And he was like, yeah. He was like, Casanova was there. Wayno was there. And you know, Takashi told all them niggas suck his dick. And I'm like, first of all, in New York, like this whole, this deal. suck my dick shit is some new shit. In New York, like every people from the South always laugh at us because they be like, man, people take that so serious. I remember when I was 14, I told somebody to suck my dick and a, a dude pulled me to the side. He said, don't, don't ever say that unless you, you, you going you gonna to kill somebody or you ready to die. You know what I mean? That's how serious that is. That's the ultimate level of respect in New York. I don't know what it might be in LA. It might be whacking out somebody hood or some shit like that. You know what I mean? So when he said that, I'm like, damn, act like I'll be on the show with you. You gonna say so when the Takaji shit came to a head, like I kinda went hard at him. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But like through that, we got past that. And like we 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 having fun on the show. Yeah, it's right? kind of weird when you think about academic's position, just because he's sort of like managed to build this giant platform off of presenting himself as the number one go-to stop for fuckery in the rap game. Absolutely. And a lot of people can't separate him from that platform. Like they can't look at academics and not think about the fact that academics is the first one to post a fight if they get beat up or if somebody right. gets the shit smacked out of him or gets a chain took or whatever. Right. It's, it's like a one man world star or what world star used to kind of be. Wait, where else, I always said that he's you like know? world star. And it's like, it's, it's weird because a lot of people really hate him for that. Yeah. And we'll never Yo, be able to just consider him as like just a, a dude. You know what he said to me one time? And I was, I asked him one time, like, yo, why? I said something about like the posting the content and all that. He said, yo, the thing about it is all I do is repost the shit that they post. Like I'm not, he like, I'm not making none of this. Like I'm not putting them together. I always equated act to like the dude who, if you in the lunchroom and like somebody say something about your moms, but you don't really hear it. And he'd be like, yo, you ain't just hear what this nigga said. They'd be like, yo, yo, you going, yo, three o'clock, yo, y'all got to fight. Like, yo, he, he didn't say, I like, didn't say that. I didn't say that it. shit. He said that. Yo, you going to take that? Like, he's that nigga. Like, he, and I, like, that's the person that, like, no, everybody is, like, cool with because they mm. stir shit up, but you don't really bother him. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, because his position is really out of the space. Mm. Like, for, for me, like I like even with everything that act be going on with, I be telling him certain shit like yo, nah, I don't think you should do that. I don't think you say that. But end of the day, he a man and he got to stand on his words. Mm. And it's funny though too because academics, and that's a, a big part of what pissed people off about him is that mm-hmm. he's always done shit that he couldn't do if he was just around. Oh yeah, like he can't. talking Come about on. all the Chicago shit. If he was just a dude that you could catch chilling at the barbershop, he, he wouldn't have that. been able to talk about that shit because somebody literally he'd would be, have killed be, him. Yeah, he'd be, he'd be dead by now. He's smoking academics packs still to this day if that happened. <laughs> oh man. No, he wouldn't. Right. That's not funny. We're not going to joke about that. But yeah. I mean, it's just, that's the crazy part about it is that he has always been smart enough to keep himself separate from all the bullshit. So, yeah. And it's kind of like, yo, if, if nobody catches him slipping, then 
it is what it is. Like yeah. you might not like him, but y'all ain't done nothing to him, so it is what it is. I mean, the thing is, is like what people got to take into account too is that academics is a civilian. Mm. He's a fucking civilian. He's not a gangster. But there's a lot of people who wanted to smack the shit out of him, and including it, your man Meek Mill and the Dream Chasers. They course. wanted to kill him at one point, right? Absolutely. Were you involved because, in that? Nah, <laughs> <laughs> nah man. Meek, but I tell, I say this, man. They're they not nobody to play with. Yeah, I know. Because I know, That's like, I, I didn't meet Meek on no music shit. I met him as a kid in the street that used to ride dirt bikes that rap. Because mm. he, like, one of his, like, close friends at the time was a dude that... He was one of them young. He, they was young. They was 16, but they was giving it up in the streets. Mm. And that's how I knew them. You know what I mean? And him rapping was just like extra. Mm. You know what I mean? But yeah, they definitely wanted to catch him and shit. But at the end of the day, you do something to him, he sue you, then what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you going, like you don't want to have to pay a million dollars and then probably, I don't know if he's going to fucking go hard with the charges to the furthest extent of the law. Right. You know what I mean? You don't want to catch no charge fucking with this dude. To Meek Mill, probably, right? Yeah, I mean, he ain't going, like Meek, Meek ain't even on that, man. Like yeah. Meek ain't even, you know, Meek is in a whole new place. I'm proud for my guy, man. That's I mean, my guy. Now, yeah. But he was. He was mad a couple of years ago. I mean, he was, but and I was always happy for him though, because I know where he come from. Like you know what I mean? Like I, I, I used to be in the studio with Meek when he had the ankle monitor on and be like, "All right, y'all, it's, eight, it's about to be eight o'clock. I gotta fucking go. I can't mm. finish this verse." You know what I mean? I didn't seen him do that a few times. Him, right. O'Melly, all of them. You know what I mean? So it's like to see where he's been able, like shit. When he got signed to MMG, was a fucking big thing for me. Right. You know what I mean? Just to see a dude that like I know that he where he come from and I know his people to see him make something of himself. On you know that I mean? level, yeah. Yeah, that's why a lot of people like on the show, they be like, oh, Wayno's a, a Meek Mill dick rider. Or like, yo, dog, if you knew somebody who was, when I met Meek, he was in the street. He wasn't like, he wasn't, he didn't have no money. He was hustling in the streets and he became something. You want to celebrate that person? I'm not going to wait for him to die. Mm. I'm not waiting for nothing to happen to Meek for me to say I love him and for me to say he's one of the best out there. That's my dog. Like, that's I'm the always unfortunate do that. thing is that the fans want you to default to a position of not giving a fuck and not having any empathy and not being proud of a guy who made it. And that's weird because yeah. we should be happy to see anybody make it out of this situation. Oh, nah, man. People, you know what fans do? They want you, they hype you up to do something stupid to call you stupid. Mm. They, like, for real. They hype you up. They, you know what fans do? They be like, "Oh man!" Like, like, all right. You remember when I had the little, the, the whole Soldier Boy shit when he was on the show, mm -hmm. and everybody was like, "Oh, Soldier Boy." He didn't threaten me. Like, you know what I mean? He was upset, and I like one thing. I respect Soldier Boy. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I respect him. I think that he's very misunderstood. I think that a lot. Like he made a lot of money at a young age. I can't imagine having that, like being the head of your household, making that amount of money, right. having to hold people down, people probably stealing from him. He's been through a lot of shit. He lost, I think he lost his brother, all types of shit. He's frustrated. You know what I mean? He's frustrated. So when the shit happened, people was like, yo, you should have fought him. You should have did this. You pussy. You this. You that. I'm like, okay. You got to be a real knucklehead to have the opinion that you should fight somebody on camera at complex no, look, while you're working. Look, this this the, exactly. This is the thing, right? So look. All them same people, let's say I jump up, me and Soldier Boy get into a scuffle. It goes viral. Everything goes crazy. Wayne on Monday, motherfucker. On Monday when I come in <laughs> and they say, you know, they everybody from Complex sit me down like, yo, Wayne, you know, this is dope, but this is not the type of, you know, stuff we need here, man. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, we're going to have to let you go. And I lose out on my check that I'm getting. You know what they gonna call me? Stupid. Stupid fuck. Yeah. So they gonna be like, you? They telling me I should have did something stupid to get a stupid result just to call me stupid. Mm. I'm not. Are you crazy? Man? I dodge prison like for real. Like my friends, I got some of the like even out here. I fuck with a lot of people that's in all types of shit. Uh -huh. So it's like 
I, I man, I, I I'm one of the ones that dodged a lot of the bullshit. I'm not gonna let nobody trick me out of my freedom. Right. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. crazy. Has there been any? Was that the time that you felt the most disrespected on the show? Is there been any other guests that kind of said some shit that didn't sit right with you? No, I didn't even feel disrespected because I didn't feel threatened. Yeah. Like all he did, like he was talking, he was talk. I, I what I got mad at is when he said y'all are stupid. Yeah, now look, yeah. he been calling. He didn't. He been calling academics. Fuck niggas, stupid, <laughs> everything for an hour. Right. Academics are men. If he comfortable with that, that's fine. He wasn't like, it, it's one thing to watch it on camera, but it, on set, it's a different thing. Mm. He wasn't giving me that energy. When he said, y'all stupid niggas, and we got a woman sitting here. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's not forget that there's a, a woman and a black woman, and who's your, I don't give a fuck if I'm on the end of the earth. If I see a black woman in a tough position, any woman, but a black woman specifically in a tough position, I'm going to defend that. I mean, that seemed pretty crazy when he was saying that. It was just like, so, wow, uh, you really said, bugged out, huh, soldier? No, but he uh, he was just mad. But he was more mad at academic. He didn't even mm. know me. Right. On the show, he said, I'm sorry, what's, brother, said, what's, what's your, your name? name? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I'm the nigga from the behind the scenes that ain't even supposed to be here. Right, yeah. So so when it happened, I just was like, yo, come on, brother. As men, clear that up because we not, you know, and that was the first time where I seen how media will flip things because everybody showed that when he got up and he was trying to walk out with his stuff and nobody showed when he was the human part of him. Mm. They wanted to show the bullshit. Nobody showed Soldier Boy. And I'm not saying this to down him. He said, yo, you know what, brother? I apologize for calling y'all stupid. Yeah. Nobody showed that. Yeah. And I didn't want nobody to show that to say, look, y'all, he, he, he's not really... T-. No, he he noticed his faults right then and there. And media ran with just the bullshit. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, now I see what I'm in. That's the first time I was like, oh, I get it. Mm. I get that, it. That's a weird thing to see for the first time. And especially like academics had to go through those growing pains. Like remember when the fucking Migos shit happened with him yeah. and Buddy? And then... Complex actually, and that was probably like a learning moment for Complex as well because Complex fully turned him into a meme and just highlighted the <laughs> fuck out of it, put out their own highlight clips. No, the, and, the best clip was the slow motion one. Yeah. Oh my God. But academics had to be like, yo, like I'm working for you. You can't just make me look like a fucking yeah, put goofy you a, just put, to go viral on Instagram. And yeah, shit. man. I mean, like, I just, I be like this, man, with this, when it comes to this, this music shit, because all these guys think they tough, just take something, man. Take jujitsu or some shit. <laughs> like, do shit in your spare time so that if you do get into something, you get it over with fast. Right. You know what I mean? Like, but I'm not in it for that. Like, I'm not in it to get into no altercations and none of that shit. You know what I mean? But it, it just was like complex. I fuck with complex, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? But my perspective of the brand was different at that moment when that shit went down. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's like, but I guess they had to look at it like shit, let's make the best of it. Right. I don't think academics had a problem with it. People look at him as that type of person as a meme all day, every day. Mm. But is, okay, is that weird for you? Because it seems like you're more intent on being taken as a straight up person and respected for your work and stuff. Yeah. Academics. As much as he wants to be respected for his work and everything like mm-hmm. that, is a certain extent to which he's willing to make himself the butt of the joke. Yeah, I which ain't with people that. People kind of like that about him. I'm not but, with that. Yeah. I'm not with that because I just I represent a certain type of place. Like I represent certain type of people, and I'm not with that. Like I'm the thing is, is that I'm just respectful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I didn't I didn't have conversations with all types of artists that did not know me. That that met me and was like, yo, I respect your perspective on the show. Mm. This is down the third. I, I'm a man of integrity. Like end of the day, I don't represent myself. I represent a woman when I walk outside. I represent my children when I walk outside. I represent my mother and my father. I'm not just out here for me. Mm. I don't live for me. 
You know what I mean? A lot of people depend on me. So the thing is, is like when I when I deal with people, I'm going to deal with you at the... I'm not a journalist. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I don't... I just deal with people as human beings. Like I don't like... like if it's something that's barbing and I guess that's good journalism when you... When it's something that's fucking with a person and you get them to talk about the worst part of it. But I don't know that. I'm, if I don't have that type of rapport with you, I'm not going to mention the the, the the bullshit that you're going through in your life. Because mm. I don't... Like with artists, I'm not going to ask no artists about what woman they fucking... Or, or what, what woman, if she's a woman, what man she fucking? Mm -hmm. I'm not concerned with that. I'm concerned with music, how you make it, what should come up, how can, you know, what can others learn? You know what I mean? What you doing to, to, to not to put other people on, but what you doing to keep yourself fresh in the game? That's what I'm on. Well, there's some perverse incentives in the game, just in the sense that if you have somebody on the show and you ask them the biggest dickhead question and you get them to walk out or something, that, that could be the moment that everybody going. You know, if you look at a lot of Charlemagne's biggest moments, yeah. and this is after like all these years of doing just high quality interviews, mm -hmm. a lot of his biggest moments that went viral and that everybody knows them with yeah. are just the one time that he sort of kind of crossed the line. Yeah, you but know? see, and that's the thing though. I can't cross the line because I never I never wanted to be here to, to establish a line to begin with. Mm. So it's like for me, I'm trying to like I'm trying to create more new content and shit. Like 2020, I'm trying to roll out new things and do new things. But I want it based on like me and the type of people who think like me. And mm. I ain't not because I watch everything. Like I watch, you know, I watch when when Bunk was here, and, you know <laughs> what I mean? And all of that shit. I watch all types of stuff that that goes viral and crazy shit. Remember, I hit you about TJX. Fucking, that's one of the best interviews. I knew you were a real one when you hit me up about that, yeah. Dog, man, that shit was amazing. I was like, this motherfucker talking talking like he's never heard of the FBI before. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's talking crazy, but it, it made for great content. So yeah, I watch kid. it. But I, you know what it is too, Adam? Like, a lot of people, um, and not you specifically, but I say like certain people that look for certain rises out of people, that's their moneymaker. Mm. I'm from Harlem, man. I'm going to get money regardless. Like, mm. I'm going to get money whether it's some music shit, whether it's some... Whatever. If I got to get into sports, I'll figure that shit out. If I got to get into like selling juices, if I got to sell water, if I got to get into any game I will, I always say, if you bring me to, you know how to say, you can't, uh, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Mm -hmm. Bring me to the fucking water, I'm going to make a water park. I ain't getting no cut. <laughs> I'm fucking making a slide from the top of the sky down to that motherfucker. I'm going to show you how to get it. So that's, that's what attitude, I'm on. For you sure. When you were right there, front and center, when this whole fucking insane drama happened between Nadeska and Star, and clearly you're pretty uh, tight with her. Yeah. What was your perspective on that? Because I was, well, from an outsider perspective, I was so fascinated by it because here you have Complex, mm -hmm. and you know they have this woman working here, and it's a very male charged environment. Right. But they're they're you know tested on more talent and everything, and. The last position they want to be in is hiring somebody who has a history of sexually harassing the one woman on camera. So you talking about when he show. said that when he said the shit what about what did he say about sniffing her chair or something? I don't. I can't remember what he said. All right, so look, funny. This how the star totally shit go. Foul. I ain't gonna lie. When I was a kid, bro, I used to wake up early to hear star in the morning. Bro. Oh, okay. I used to love. I'm talking about he. I, I even after working with him, I tremendously respect that man. Uh -huh. This is how me and the, this is how I ended up. Well, I wouldn't say this is how I ended up on the show. What happened was Nadeska. They had the interview when he was apologizing for whatever it was he had said to Nadeska. Okay. So she said some shit to him, and I texted her like, "Yeah, Nadeska, talk your shit." And then she hit me a week later. I was like, "Yo, you should come through." That's what made her think of you as a potential co-host. I don't know. Damn, that's cool. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, me and her got a good rapport. But it was because of that. Like I was watching, and I was like. Talk your shit, which I didn't think that Star was going to be put off the show. But yeah, Star does have a history. Uh -huh. But the thing is, is like Star made, that's the type of content he makes. So I don't know if the people, 
I don't know who hired him on there, but I don't. I I know that like you have to know who you're dealing with. Mm. Listen, Star, man, I used to fucking listen to Star say shit to people like, man, fuck you and your block. Like like the people, like people used to call up, he's, and they used to be like, "Star man, we trying to get out here, we trying to eat." So Star used to be like, "Man, go get a pistol and feed your family." You know what I mean? Like, and I used to fucking used to be like, "Man, I keep ten rounds for ten clowns." Like, I'm I'm used to be a fan of Star as a kid growing up, so it's yeah. like, I just was looking at it from a fan perspective, you know what I mean? But yeah, that was a, a moment there. I wasn't there at the time. It was crazy because you know, think about it from her perspective is that. If she had said, no, I don't want to work with them, you got to get rid of them, that they almost definitely would have done it. Yeah. But then at the same time, it's like, this is hip hop. She doesn't want to be the one who's kind of getting somebody fired for something that was like kind of an on-air joke and shit. So she yeah. did. I, like, Do you agree with her decision to say, nah, fuck it, he can still come on the show and for her to sort of... Well, I wasn't it. even I wasn't even privy to the information of oh, okay. like him being still on the show. Mm. They just was like on some shit like, "Yo, we really liked you on here, so we want to have you as a fourth guest." Mm. You know what I mean? Like that's how it started. And then like when it went and like when it was taking the break, it was like you know this may or may not happen. Da da. Like I was saying before, but like I didn't. I wasn't even thinking like that. I was just like, "Y'all gonna pay me to talk shit? Y'all gonna have to pay me to shut up?" <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It was good. Like I'm like like complex treats me well. I say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, I have a ballpark idea, and it's definitely like coming from <laughs> doing anything else outside the sort of industry. It definitely yeah. probably felt like a fucking upgrade. Absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it, it also opened me up to a new audience of people. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Plus, I you know I just took this position, you know, at Asylum to yeah. do A and R and shit. So that's it's crazy. like it's a lot of kids that they might see me on the show and be like, "Oh, that's the guy." I might be the, the if you watching me on the morning, I might be fucking hitting your email later to, to potentially sign you. Mm. You know what I mean? So it's like it, it's it's opened me up to like. New avenues and new ideas. And you know what another thing was is like this game is built off of comebacks, man. It's built off of like stories. And when the when me and East had our split, it was like, what's Wayno gonna do next? You know what I mean? And it's like that came. You yeah. know what I mean? And when that came, I, one thing I say about being in this music industry, I got a lot of people that that like root for me. Like I know that. Genuinely people that that root for me. Now, mm. like is everybody my best friend? No. But I got a lot of people that do want to see me do good. It's probably people that want to see me do bad. I don't know the, I don't know them and I don't give a fuck about them. Mm -hmm. But for the people that do want to see me do good, I'm on it. You know what I mean? So it, it, it made sense for me to do it, take yeah. that position. To go and take that. So what what is the actual day? Did you are you just expected to bring X amount of artists in an average week? Hey, check these out. Or are you more like you're finding specific artists that you're really excited about and trying to actually make shit happen? Well, you know, I got a team up there. So mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like my man Nico, you know what I mean? He's another AR that works with me. Like he handles research and shit. You know what I mean? So like that's how I found out about TJX6. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, like he had told us about TJX6. It was super early. I think. TJ might have had like 5,000 followers on a gram. Mm. So I was watching his shit for like a month. You know what I mean? I was watching his shit for like a month and I was listening to songs. And I just thought it was like, like, I don't, I, I'm not, I don't want to disrespect him. I didn't take him like as no supreme lyricist and no shit like that. I just thought that like he had a different take with rap and it was, it, he, he had a wave. You know what I mean? I was like, oh, that's dope. You know what I mean? I like, like, like that's dope. So, so <clears throat> excuse me. Like my, my typical day is I come into the office. It might be everybody got an artist now. Like everybody has artists. People send me shit all day, every day. But so that's your schedule. You go do everyday struggle, and then you yeah. go straight there into the yeah, office. Yeah. So I do I do everyday struggle at uh shit. We start at seven a.m. I'm done by like nine thirty, nine o'clock most days, and it's on Forty Third Street, Asylum on Fiftieth Street. So I just walk up the block. You know what I mean, walk up the block, go in the office, go to the gym. You know what I mean, come back in the office, get my shit right. 
start going over emails and stuff from the artists that I have already signed and then just see what's out there. You know what mm. I mean? And then I fly places. Like I flew to Chicago to meet with some kids I'm trying to work, they're trying to sign. I mean, we, we, we did a few things, you know what I mean? So That's interesting because when yeah. you get that job, it's like you, you're you going to be judged on the success of the shit that you actually sign and that you work. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you probably are going to be able to skate by for however long without necessarily putting in the full work. It's like, I feel like when people get positions at labels, it's mm -hmm. so much on you. Like, if you want to be the fucking president of that company in yeah, 10 years, yeah. work your ass off and sign all the important acts for that company. Yeah. And you might really be able to get there. But if you just kind of do the bare minimum, yeah. then you're going to kind of slowly probably nah, work your bro, way so out of it. Let me tell you this. So, like, even with that, like, I don't feel no pressure, man. I, you know what I told somebody asked me, do I feel pressure? I said, you know what pressure is? Pressure is selling drugs to pay your bills. Mm. Pressure is fucking trying to figure out how to get out the projects. You know what I mean? Pressure is having beef with a with a with a motherfucker that's that's like that, and you can't go to sleep until you figure out what's gonna happen the next day. That's mm -hmm. pressure. This shit ain't no pressure for me. You know what I mean? Like this this shit is actually fun. So for me, like this is all a dream, but like I'm trying to make the best of it. And what I mean by that is like when I when I, I'm signing artists, I'm trying to develop artists. Like I'm not into the whole fucking numbers game. Oh, his numbers is this. Let's he's streaming that. Give him whatever he wants. I'm not into that shit cuz I might not fucking like you. Mm. Like you know what I mean? And you might be a fucking dingbat. Like you know what I mean? Like like real shit. Like like I I'm a I'm a sign somebody and give them a life-changing um opportunity cuz they got a bunch of numbers but they're a fucking bad person. They're a dickhead. Mm. They come in the room, don't look people in the eye, don't shake everybody's hand. Mm. Fuck all that. It's going to be more artists out there. So, I do my shit with integrity. Like I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a lot of dope artists, you know what I mean, out there and shit, but like, I'm not just trying to grab anything. I'm trying, like, my time at Asylum, I want to be defined by sound. Mm. And each artist that I sign has their own sound. I haven't signed two artists that sound alike. So it's like, I want my time to be there, like, yo, you know, he had this kid and that kid made this, or he had that kid and that kid made that, you know what I mean? And we, we run the numbers up and we do great, perfect, but I just wanted my shit there, because it's not forever. I want my time to be defined by me giving opportunities to the people that deserve them and putting them in position to be in this shit for 10 years. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Dave East is an interesting one because you had to have been looking at him like this is a dude who's talented on the mic, he makes good music, and he's got the look. He looks good on camera. Yeah. So that's kind of an easy sell. A lot of times when I'm looking at artists, it kind of feels like they got one. Like you know, There's a whole bunch of different characteristics, but they'll have a few of them, but not the other yeah. ones. You always hear artists who got a really amazing voice and shit, but then they look terrible on camera. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like With, with East, it was like he could rap his ass off, but like... And like, he's a he's good, likable, good he's personality. Like, yeah, you know? he, and he like, and all the bitches like him. You know what I mean? And it was like, but like the first challenges we had was me getting him to take his hat off really? and take his hoodie off. He used to come everywhere with his hat like this. <sighs> he was too straight. And a hoodie, a hoodie like this. Like I used to be like, yo, take your fucking hat off, dog. Like I used to be like, yo, take your hat off. Like I'm like, yo. Like women want to look at your face, like yeah, like people, and he tall as shit. You walk in the room, he's the center of attention because he's tall. Yeah, so like that, we used to argue about that because he ain't used to want to take his hat off. I used to be like, yo, take your hat off. That's hilarious. But I looked at it like that. The thing with him was like, because I looked at it, I looked at, I look at artists as like uh, businesses. So like, remember when Kanye said that shit about how Travis Scott, like Travis Scott should have like three business owners managing him instead of just a manager or some shit like that, right? Mm -hmm. Which I'm not taking none from his manager because manager's a dope dude. But like, I look at artists as like, artists as a building and you have different floors to them. 
Like you got the the artist, the rapper floor, right? You have the fucking um the philanthropy floor if they want to get into that shit. You got the um the look, you know what I mean? The branding side. Like I look at all of that shit when I try to sign artists. So it's like I'm super picky with shit, you know what I mean? But I also I understand that me signing an artist is not always about me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I I pay attention to the kids. Like every time I get an artist, I play that shit for my kids. I be like, what y'all think? They be like, I don't really fuck with it. Like mm. they will say fuck with it, but they like, I but, don't really. But does that is that enough for you to be turned off to it when the kids don't fuck with it? Because a lot of times you might be looking at something as something that they're they're gonna have well, to warm up to it. Yeah, if my mind is made up, then my mind is made up. But mm. I like I look at what they say. You know what I mean? I look at like certain things that they into, certain things they say. Because I was the same kid when I was on a, when I was fifteen. You could not tell me nothing about the locks. That was they fucking saved my life. Like their music was my soundtrack to my everyday. So when a dude is telling me about, and don't get me wrong, I was young enough to see Big Daddy Kane, but when you telling me that Jadakiss is not better than him, or even Rakim, like me personally, Jadakiss and Styles P and Sheik, their music meant more to me than Rakim's music. Mm. So the same way how a kid would be like, a kid would say, you you ask a kid that's a fucking Tekka fan, or you ask Tekka like, yo, how do you feel about Jay-Z's music? He'd be like, Jay-Z, the fuck are you talking about? He's 17. Like yeah. you, you expect him to know what, what Jay-Z's first album sound. And not saying that he shouldn't do his homework. That's mm -hmm. one thing I'm not going to say. Like It's cool for artists to do homework, but what, what means something to him is Chief Keef, Lil mm -hmm. Wayne, them niggas. Like. And if Lil Tecca told me that he had gone back and listened to Reasonable Doubt and Illmatic and shit and that he respected it and appreciated it, I would think that that was so fucking dope. Yeah. But I'm not expecting that. I'm not that expecting every, that. There's 50 fucking years of rap history to go yo, through right I, I, here. You yo, know? I'm not expecting that. Like, all right, so I started listening to Public Enemy when I was like 21 for real. Because mm -hmm. all I knew was the singles. I knew like um, Fight the Power and... um. 911 is a joke, like certain shit that just was the video. I wasn't listening, and I was a little kid when that shit came out, but I wasn't listening to Public Enemy albums. I couldn't understand the words that they was articulating or the subject matter they was talking about, even NWA. I didn't like, I didn't listen to that shit. As when I got like 20 years old, I went being around Beanie Siegel. He told me like, yo, go get America's Most Wanted by Ice Cube. Mm. Go listen to Death Certificate. Really? Listen to fucking That's Fear fair. of a Black Planet. Listen to... Um, uh, Strata Compton. Like, he telling me, go listen to that shit. So I'm tuning in at 19, 20 years old and like, oh shit, they saying stuff. But that's, but I wasn't like, you, you no, nobody could have told me, if you would have asked me a question like, yo, is Chuck D one of the best? I'd be like, he not better than Method Man. I'd have like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd have said it because Wu-Tang Clan meant everything to me. So yeah. I wouldn't have been like, I, I, I would have said some shit that if, if I'm a rapper, it's going to make headlines. He doesn't think this. He's not born in that era. They, mm. they everybody not gonna feel the same way. You right. Know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to ask this: the two very different sides of the of the business. Mm -hmm. When you're a manager, you sign an artist or you start working with an artist, and mm -hmm. then you're with them so much, you're constantly around them. And then when you're with a label, the whole goal is to sign a bunch of artists, and you don't really spend that much time with anyone in particular. Yeah. Is this a strange thing for you to get used to the idea of like investing in somebody's career and then being sort of hands off? No, so I mean, the way I run my shit now is, is like, like when I was with Dave, I was with him every day. Like, well, not every day, but like when we on the road, we together every day. When we got to do shit, we together every day. We didn't hang in between time too much, but like we was together all the time. Now, like now, I that I didn't know that there was a difference between a day to day and a tour manager and a business manager and a this manager. Like, mm. I didn't know all the differences. So what I do now is like I have people that work for my company because academics gave me this gem. I ain't gonna lie, he was like, yo. 
my company name is Triangle Offense. He said, yo, you got to get people to want Triangle Offense's management, not Wayno's management. Because mm. when people say they want you to manage them, they're not thinking about the company and what the company could do. They just thinking about you and you being with them. And I was like, damn, I didn't, and this is when I first got on the show, I was like, I didn't understand that. So what I do now is like, my artists have day-to-days, I handle their business. Mm. So I handle their, I handle their business, I talk to them, you know what I mean? We stay in contact, but I'm not with them on a day-to-day. So it's like, it's not, I've, I've been, I've gotten used to that now. Should, like I can't, artists are fucking crazy. <laughs> you, know, you can't be around them all day. I mean, just the responsibility of running around with an artist all the time. Are you, do you feel like you're officially too old to like be? Fuck no. No? 36 years old, But man. to be running around, I'm, I'm too old I feel bullshit. too old to be, if, to fi- find a rapper and to want to be in the studio with him all oh, yeah, night. No, no, no. I don't and to do- want to be running around to different shows and clubs no i'm way See, too old for that i don't think so it's two it's two ways like i don't think i'm too old for it i just feel like i paid my dues in that room right like i I've, I've did i've done i've slept in the studio for two days <laughs> wash my ass i've washed my ass two days out the whole week before mm-hmm. in the sink all types of shit so i'm i've passed that part like as you as you grow as a um as you grow as a businessman you want you got to elevate you know what i mean like you're not you're not handling things the same way you used to. So like, I'm too old for the bullshit. Mm. Now I be too old for the, I sign an artist and you want fucking gang bang and do all this stupid shit and I need to make phone calls to get you out of trouble. I ain't with none of that shit. But that's kind of what it is to be a label, right? Like I, I had a long conversation with Chief Keef's manager a few yeah. times and I'm just realizing like, holy shit, you got the patience of a fucking saint. Like I would have been out there and like, I would I would have been out in two weeks. But that depends on who you want to deal with. Like yeah. me, I just don't deal with the bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? Like I... For me, I'm not with, I'm not with, I don't give a fuck about that street shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care about that shit because that shit don't get you, nothing good come out the streets. So I don't care about, I don't give a fuck about chilling on, oh, this is such and such block. Let's go chill over there. Like, I don't give a fuck about that. If I'm in the hood somewhere, it's because I'm going to see somebody I got love for. You know what I mean? I ain't with that standing on the corner. So I, like, when it comes to artists, I don't do all of that. So artists that, if you, my thing is this, you want to be a tough guy, join the fucking UFC. Because you ain't tougher than none of them. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Nope. Or, or you want to be an artist and a businessman. Stay over here and do this. Mm-hmm. So you can't blur the lines. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not with that blurring line shit. Like, you know, like people be wanting to, they don't know who the fuck they want to be. And and you know what? A big thing about, what we, just back to the conversation we had initially, not just that I was scared when I moved there. I didn't know who I was. I define myself. I know who I am. I'm comfortable wherever I'm at. But you understand why kids join gangs and Absolutely. shit is because the world is so scary. And to have that idea of, uh, to have a bunch of people who have your back is one thing. To have one person who have your back is one thing. To have an idea of this group, the thousands of people across the country, theoretically, or at the very least, you know, dozens of people in your neighborhood, yeah, that's is. irresistible to a young kid. I mean, it is, but it's all bullshit. See, yeah, that's the yeah. thing. Everybody looks at the, the I'm not going to lie. If you viewing this shit from not knowing anything, that shit looks cool, right? It looks cool. You get to wear this color. <laughs> it looks the coolest shit in the world to Look, kids, it, you know? it looks cool. You get to wear this color. You get to do these special <laughs> handshakes. You got certain correlated words until you got to put some work in. Mm-hmm. That's where you're going to see where your heart is at. You got to go shoot at somebody you don't know for, for a reason you don't really you might understand. Gotta shoot, you got you, you to put that. Then, then you got to put that work in. It ain't... You put work in, it ain't easy to go to sleep after that. Mm. That's the part that don't nobody tell you about. When you got to hurt somebody, and when you hurt somebody, not just getting away with it, but mentally, when you go to sleep and you think about what the fuck you had to do to somebody, that shit is not easy to get away with it. And what happens with that? 
medicating yourself certain ways. Mm. And then you medicate yourself so much that you don't give a fuck. And then you start doing all types of shit. And it's a fucking rabbit hole that you go down that you can't get out of that leads to what? Death or jail. So why it may look attractive, it's not. And I understand wanting to be a part of something. I mean, like, just specifically, I speak for black people. We tribal. We want to feel like we parts of something. That's why we got fraternities. That's why we got certain types of groups. That's why we got little cliques. It ain't just gangs. We got all types of shit. The army. It's all. Everybody want to feel like they're part of something to some sort of extent, whether it's religion or politics or whatever. I'm a Democrat. I'm a this. I'm a that. I'm a, uh, I'm a, you know, I'm a hot boy. You a hot girl. Everybody want to feel like they part of some shit. So I get that. But my thing is don't do nothing that's going to be detrimental. Like, what is it worth? Is it worth your motherfucking crying? I'm not I, like you don't want to be the person that motherfuckers got to get a go from me to put your ass in the dirt. That wow. shit is that shit is crazy. Mm. You you motherfuckers be out here beefing in the streets and ain't even got life insurance. Mm. So you out here beefing, you want problems and you get killed, you get murdered. Your mother can't even do shit. She got to go around. You motherfuckers be dying. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I noticed this by working in corporate America. When I worked in corporate America and people that I, I work with, white people, they lost a family member. The motherfuckers die on Wednesday, they asses in the ground by Saturday. That quick. Mm-hmm. Black people die, these motherfuckers is chilling for three weeks. <laughs> for real. Nah, this shit is real. These motherfuckers is chilling for three weeks. He died on Monday, or oh, we gotta bury him next next month. Why? Because they can't afford to fucking bury him. Mm. How gangster is that? That shit ain't gangster. That's harsh. That shit ain't that shit ain't cool. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying with these kids. I be but I be telling kids, I be like, listen. Cause you know you go to high school and you had him, you had that guy to come in and say, "Hey y'all, um, you know I grew up in this bad neighborhood and I just stayed in the house. I didn't get in anything. <laughs> I went to college and I'm all right. I'm a doctor now. Yeah. First of all, none of that shit seems fun. None of it seems cool. Kids want to hear stories about experience. They want to see somebody. I'm a person that can say, "Yeah, I was out here. I was outside." Yeah, I did some shit and I had some shit done to me. And guess what? I ended up trying to do the right thing because it ain't fun doing the wrong thing. So that's what I be pushing on these kids. Yeah, because you're in an interesting position where you've been through a lot in relatively recent memory. And you you know, probably meet a shitload of young people and stuff in terms of artists and everything. Like, How do you talk to them about the risks that they should be taking? I be keeping it hunting with them, yo. Like, I be, like, I, like you know how all these kids want a million dollars for a deal? Mm. I want a million dollars. I want a million dollars for for what? Would you, you you want a million dollars? Like okay. Do you know? So I be looking at it like I be telling people like this. Even when it comes to these deals, when somebody when you do a deal, it's not a deal for you. Mm. It's a deal for both parties. Right. So you want the money. You know what? I'll give you the money, but I want to know how I'm getting my money back. Mm. And then, and somebody was like, huh? I said, listen, if your fucking cousin asks you for two hundred dollars, right, and they they're down on their luck, no matter how tough it is, if you ain't really got it, you are gonna say, I'm gonna give it to you, but how am I gonna get it back? You think labels is thinking they ain't different? Mm. So you want this money for this investment. This is an investment. When you go to the bank and you ask for, you go to the bank for a loan, what do they ask you for? For, for a business. Credit. Credit, but what else? A business plan. Right. They say, what's your business plan? What's the cash flow? What's the portfolio? Like, how are we quantifying this? Where's the, you could do that with, every, like, that's how you get in business and anything else, music. Everybody just want to walk in and get a check. Mm. And then when you get the check and you get fucked over because here's, here's what happens. We give you this million dollars or I'm not going to say we because while I'm saying this, I'm not pro-label. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm pro-success. I'm not pro-label. Success comes out of you got to get it. So they give you this bread. They put out some music. It don't hit how the last year hit. Cool. We took that shot. 
put out some more music. That don't hit how the last year hit. But now you done ran through that whole million dollars we gave you. So you start panicking. Uh, yo, can I get some, like, yo, I need another advance. I need, no, you can't get another advance. The fuck, we just gave you a million dollars. Yeah. What you do? Oh, man. All right, well, you can take the rights to this and then let me get that. Now you fucking yourself. Mm -hmm. And all you're going to do is keep fucking yourself over and over and over. So I just be telling kids, it's not my business to teach you business. It's nobody's business to teach you business, but learn the business. Mm. If you're going to get into music, learn the fucking business. Because you, these kids, they getting these deals. Yeah, you get $4 million up front. And I ain't going to front. 11 times out of 10, I might take it. But at the same time, you might be giving up all your publishing rights on the back end, off the rip. You might be giving up all your royalty rights or be getting crazy royalty rates. 10 years down the line, your mom gets sick of some shit. You ain't got the money you got. A fucking song is on the Eminem's commercial, and it's your song, and you didn't get a check. You want to know why? Because you took that fucking money early on. Yeah, but $4 million probably... That's a lot more than you're probably going to make the vast majority of the time from your actual career. I mean, it if, depends. When you go for the massive upfront advance, yeah. you're really kind of betting against yourself. You are. You're betting that you're going to have a short burst of a career and then nothing's going to happen afterwards. Because in that case, you're killing it. But they don't know that. Yeah. They think, oh, I'm about to kill like $4 million. I'm about to, I'm going to do this, that. They don't know nothing about no taxes, none of that shit. So. I know multiple different artists that mm -hmm. are basically like just pretty unpopular like not relevant like underground type artists that signed for over a million dollars within the last couple of years the fans have no fucking clue yeah and if i told them that this random guy who has a video on elevator got a fucking million dollars from a label and then continue then nothing popped up after they'd be like what so i seen a kid do get a million dollar deal and they didn't even put a record out yeah they didn't even put it they didn't put a record out didn't put a project out of nothing they got a million dollar deal. they trying to give him a label deal. i'm like label deal. all they it's like it's like this right it's like Shit, right? It's like this. I be looking at the the like how they court these artists the same way how a a a, a chick that you never met is tr would try to set you up, right? Like, okay, you popping in this down the third. You just met her on Monday, on th Wednesday. She in love with you. She love you. Hey, you the best person. You the smartest. You the funniest you ever met. You don't find nothing wrong with that. Mm. Like like. You you just met me. I ain't sold a fucking record. Yeah, I got some potential. I'm doing okay. I'm all right. But I could get a label deal. I could get a, a big check. I could get all this money invested in me. Why is that? So you think that they giving you this money without knowing what they're going to make? They already did the projections. The, 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 game, the fight is fixed. Mm. After you, they get what you get out of you. What you got next? Because if you ain't got nothing next, okay, peace. Mm. These kids don't even understand the amount of money that a label could fucking spend and it don't affect their bottom line. Mm -hmm. And they think that they special because they got this money. Let me tell you, if you took a million dollars for a deal, you ain't special. Because a million dollars, and I don't even have a million dollars, but a million dollars is not a lot of money in entertainment. Mm. That's nothing. Tell all these people that you're signing to, they got many, many millions of dollars. They Fortune 500 companies. Mm. I didn't see, I didn't sat with dudes that work in television that raised 20 million for some shit that never happened. <laughs> yeah. For real. I worked in television. These dudes are like, yeah, we raised $20 million for this new channel. This shit never happened. Mm. And they raised the bread. And they like, yeah, I had him give me bread and him and him and him. And you sitting here trying to figure out how you going to stop eating Burger King one day. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, Shit, don't just, just, and I know it's tough, but if you're going to get into the music business, try to learn. Try to learn however you can. When you look at your potential career path, it's like, do you find yourself veering more towards being an on-air personality or being a behind-the-scenes label guy? Because it's like, you could be Charlemagne or you could be 
the guy at the label. Let me tell you this. Both might be able to make some pretty good money. And I'm doing everything. You're doing everything. There you go. I'm doing everything, bro. It's good. I'm doing everything because, like, you know, I ain't gonna front. This media space is fire. You know what I mean? This shit is dope. It's, it's lucrative. There's money in it, especially in creating content. If you got shit that's distinctive and your own thing, that's ill. Best case scenario, you play both off each other because, like, yeah. like you were saying, like you becoming more famous through everyday struggle, boom, that could help you like crazy. In absolutely, terms of absolutely. Having kids take you serious when you want to sign them and shit. Absolutely, yeah. and I'm doing, I'm doing both because it's like, yo, dog. I mean, I've worked. Let me say, I've done so many jobs. Yo. I done had so many jobs. I done applied for so many jobs that I didn't get that I put time in. I applied for it's jobs that I took two years trying to get that I never got. Mm. And for me to be doing this right now. I'm not. I'm only 36, yo. Fucking Mark Cuban became a billionaire at 43 or some shit like mm. that. He's 50 something, and I'm not saying like one. Another thing too is like the whole billionaire shit. In order to be a billionaire, you gotta be doing some real distinctive shit. Mm. But I'm learning. You know what I mean? I'm learning. I feel like my people, like black people, we the only ones that put these unfair age expectations on ourselves. Like if I'm by the time I'm 30, if I ain't married, got a house, a dog, and a kid, my life ain't shit. Chief Keith put out an album called Finally Rich at 18. Finally Rich? <laughs> I got fucking sneakers older than Chief Keith. Was Keefe. it 18? He might have been like 16 or 17. Either way, it's yeah, like, this I was what I'm like, saying. finally. Finally Rich? Yeah, like, that. think about that. Finally Rich. <laughs> like, what? Yeah, I finally did it. But that's what I'm saying. I just, I feel like, but you know what, That that's that's due to the conditions that we live in. Because mm. we fucking dying every day because we're not appreciating ourselves. You know what I mean? I said, I was talking to one of my homies earlier. I said, yo, listen, it's kind of fucked up, but you got... Angry ass racist police killing black people. You got mass shooters walking in places killing black people. And then we got black people killing black people. I like we it's exhausting being me sometimes. But mm. the thing about it is is like I'm not giving up, man. And and I know that like like that shit that Pac said about sparking minds, like I really believe that. Cause there's so many things that I've seen. It's like how like with Nipsey, right? Nipsey gone. Nipsey been talk like I, you could go through every Nipsey Hustle interview. He never said nothing crazy. He never was talking crazy as far as like even when it came to him talking about being down with the sixties. He never was like yeah nigga we banging we like he never talked said nothing out of pocket. He always articulated himself to a certain degree, but it took him to pass for people to appreciate that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? He always had that type of narrative, that type of sentiment, that type of ideology, them type of smarts. But it took this man to lose his life. So for me, I'm just trying to wake as many people as up as I can and tell them like yo. You know, unfortunately, what happened to my man Nip happened, but like, it's so many of y'all, like, and that's what he was trying to do: show y'all that y'all got something in y'all, even when you don't feel like you do. Mm. Like that—that's what got me to where I'm at today. Cause I felt like, even when I didn't, even when the world felt, I was like, "What the fuck else am I gonna do? Mm. Like, what else I'm gonna do? Yeah. I gotta do this shit." So I'm doing everything, Adam. Like for real. The worst day of your life, like the worst times, the worst level of depression I ever had in my life. All I had to do was think to myself, was like, "All right." So you, you're going to kill yourself? Because you're definitely not going to kill yourself. And the only other option is to keep fucking going, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're not going to give up, then you got to keep going. And that just, like, was enough to just put it in perspective. I just tweeted this the other day. Like, my brokest times is where I came up with my best idea. Mm. Not my brokest times. It's like, I, I one time I was around some people and I was, like, coming up with ideas, trying to help them out with shit. Because it's like, I just feel like I'm a walking idea. Like, my brain don't turn off till I go to sleep. And my man was like, how the fuck you coming up? Like, how you keep coming up with all this shit? I said, if you seen the building I live in, mm. bro, if you if you got to walk in the building, think about this, Adam. <laughs> with the, the building I was living in, I walk in the building, 
At the time, my daughter's like two years old. I got to pick her up so she don't step on piss in the elevator. Oof. She got to smell that. I go in my house, I got to see roaches. You know what I mean? I done had bed bugs. You know what I'm saying? I done come outside. You, I done walk down the staircase and seen people, seen people taking a shit in the staircase. Humans <laughs> taking a shit in the staircase. This is how I'm living on a day-to-day -day basis. That shit put something in me that said... If you don't, like, you better get the, your family deserve better than this. So it's like, that's where I'm at with it. And that's when a person, when a person come to me and they be like, yo, I got an artist, so I got this, I got that. If you ain't trying to be great, I don't want to hear that shit. Mm. If you just trying to get money, you could fucking trip and fall and break your ankle and get money. That's why I tell somebody the other day, like, bro, why you think they got the lotto? They got the lotto, they got all this fucking money. You can make money. 90, like 95% of people that hit the lotto lose the, lose the lotto. I mean, lose the money. You wanna know why? Because they was never trained for it. They was mm -hmm. never built for it. It just happened. It's tougher to maintain the bread. So like, I just, I built myself, I conditioned myself like, oh, I'm built for this shit. Like once more shit start happening for me as media wise, I'm like, I'm built for this shit. I know what I'm doing. I know who I am. I know what I'm about to do. And I just be trying to encourage the youth for that. Cause mm -hmm. I've been the youth. I know what it's like to be 18 and everybody saying everything you're saying is stupid. Or people saying, you 17, what the fuck do you know? You ain't gonna know nothing till you 21. You ain't did shit by the time you're 25. You ain't I know what it is. And I learned to, I know what it is to be 25 and look back at your 18-year-old self. I know what it is to be 30 and look back at my eight, my 16-year-old self. So now I'm just telling them, like, yo, if you feeling it in here, like, yo, it ain't working, it ain't. Yo, get back up on that horse, man. Mm. For real. Keep shit. grinding, man. I think the thing that's separating you is the is the amount of practice that you have, the amount of work that you put in when you actually like like if you're somebody who feels like, oh, you ain't made it yet. Yeah. Like, like my advice to somebody who wants to be a musician is not like make a couple songs and then just go crazy trying to promote them. It's like, no, you need to spend years and years yeah, working on yo. your music. Yeah. Years of nothing. Of, of, of restricting nothing. yourself from socializing, from from staying in, from not going to the bar. All of my, the, a lot of the work that I did to make it where I'm at now mm -hmm. is because I didn't go out and have fun with my friends. Yo, listen, man. <laughs> Yo, and people don't like to talk about that, and it's kind of a harsh reality. But the reality is, if you want to make something out of yourself, you're gonna to have to give up a lot. My pops told me that shit one time. My pops was like, he said, like he was fucked up for a year. He was like, he said for one year I kept like two pair of jeans. And my pops a street a street dude, like still says my pops 69 years old. He a street dude to the core, and he was like, I just hustled for a whole year straight to get myself right. You know what I mean? Like hustled, like took a whole year just not doing nothing, just just getting money. And then once I did that, I was able to do everything I ever wanted, but that discipline. Mm. That's the thing we don't talk about in this in hip hop culture is discipline. Motherfuckers ain't got discipline. Put a motherfucker make a record, a hit record, and don't even want to come talk to you or nobody at radio to promote it. Like, you got a mixtape out. Well, Adam no jumper, what they want to talk about. <laughs> what they I know that they do that. Mm. I've been around artists that do it. Man, I gotta do that. I'm trying to go smoke and I'm trying to go fuck with this bitch. Like I'm that's how that's how the mentality is. It's like you don't really want it. You don't really want it. I'm on man, listen, Kobe my like Kobe and Mike is my favorite players ever. Cause the and and you think Kobe like he, Mike wasn't chasing money, he was chasing greatness. Mm -hmm. Like Michael Jordan was not chasing no fucking bread. He had bread. He's just like he wanted to be better than everybody to the point he was obsessive. I be feeling like I'm obsessed with what I do. Cause I be missing shit with my kids and all that. And I feel bad sometimes. Like I was talking to my kids before I got here, and like by the time I call them, they back home. Like it's gonna be late. They might be asleep, but I'd be like, "Guess what? When the winter time come, ain't none of y'all motherfuckers cold. 
You know what I mean? Ain't none of y'all hungry. Mm. So it's like, if I got to take this sacrifice now to, to to being around them at certain times, then I got to do that so that I could build something sustainable for How old's your oldest kid? 17. So what's his perspective her. on her? What's her perspective on you making something out of yourself, especially over the last She's few in years in Ivy particular? League college. Really? In an Ivy League college with a full academic scholarship. Damn. The fucking brainiac. We work in my crib. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, like she... she I mean, she loves it. She think it's cool. She don't. It'd be funny. Like every time, like we be out somewhere and people want to take pictures with me, they laugh. I got three. They just they all laugh. You know what I mean? They just be cracking up. Like Yo, that's crazy. Like you know what yeah. I mean? But I also be having to put them like make them be aware because everybody's not our friend. Like one day we was I was dropping them off to camp summer camp and we in a car and some dude he walking by he must have noticed me. So the, my kids is getting out the, the door and he's walking up to the car. I looked at him. I said, Not right now. It's eight o'clock in the morning. I'm like, Yo, not right now. Not right now, but I'm telling my kids, I don't know who the fuck this could be. Y'all yeah. better pay the fuck attention, cause everybody's not our friend. Mm. You know what I mean? And I and I don't I don't live a life where I'm looking over my shoulder, and I don't live a life where like I'm beefing with other artists or other media personalities or people. Where I gotta watch my back and worry about my kids. But you you never people are fucking insane out here. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they they all good though. They love this shit, cause they all get the stuff that they want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So they all happy. They don't want much. They just want me. End of the day. That's right? what's up. Hey, do you ever? Uh, is it a challenge to think of something interesting to say on TV every day? Nah, because I don't you, even think. You guys got to put in a lot of work to come up with concepts and shit. Because a lot of times people don't realize this is that there's not something to really talk about in rap every day. Yeah. So yo, you know, so, <laughs> yo, I met Childish Gambino, and I'd like. I fucking walked up to him and I said what up to him and shit. And I was, I just wanted to tell, because my youngest daughter, she's seven. She loves Childish Gambino. Mm. And I just wanted to tell him, I was like, yo, my daughter loves you and all that. He was like, wait a minute, you're that guy off that show, right? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, this nigga know who I am? I'm like, yeah. So he was like, yo, he said, I think it's so ill. He said, I think what y'all do is so ill because he said, like, everything like that he does, and he was telling me, like, everything I do in my world is, like, scripted. We write it out and all of that, and we act it out. He's like, I can't imagine, like, having to get up and talk every day mm. about shit. You know what I mean? I, and that put a different perspective on me. Like, I never thought of it like that. Like, I could talk. That's, I don't have a problem with that. But it's like, we get, we get uh, you know, our topics for the night. I go over them. And I know, I be like, I know academics gonna be on this. So I just be thinking like, all right, mm -hmm. I'm gonna just take this perspective on it. Cause I know where he at with it. You know what I mean? Like we don't, we don't even, I, like when we sit in the morning, I don't be like, yo, act, what you gonna say? I'm gonna say this. You gonna say that? I'm gonna, we don't do none of that. Mm. Most of the time I get there, this nigga be asleep. You know what I mean? Like, he <laughs> like be, what, he's just passed out on the couch he there or something? He's knocked out, knocked out like this. <sighs> like knock the fuck out, you know what I'm saying? But but he like he get, he wake up. That's one thing I know about act. Them, them cameras come on, that shit, he turn, he's good with that shit. Really? Yeah, so, and we got, like we built, over the past year, like we built that shit the way like we both understand like how we are. He knows like same thing with me. Like he knows like how I'm, how I think about things, and I know how he thinks about certain things. So it's like it, even with us, like we debate, but our debates is not me overbearingly yelling and just telling him he's an idiot. You or, never you know went I mean? full star on him. Nah, that first nah, argument nah. where he said you were bathing in the tears of the Chicago youth that you were no, making. No, no, I love that. I ain't gonna lie. So fucking nah. because to star, yeah. that's what this was. Was yeah, like yeah. you're going for blood. No, but I, I, no, I love that. I love when he was like he said Fredo. He said don't. He when he told him don't don't uh, salute Fredo because he called him the the demon or some shit or mm -hmm. something like that. And rest peace to Fredo. You know it's crazy. I was the homie and I never got a chance to meet him. We always used to talk really? and shit. Yeah, I talked to him a couple times at like shows and stuff. But to yeah. be honest, I don't know if he was all there ever. At one of the times, like he was always like the last couple of years. Man, he was yeah. fucked up. Like. Yo, you know it's crazy. So 
when he, because we met, I, I was talking about him on Twitter and then he followed me and then we used to talk and then we gave, we exchanged numbers and we used to FaceTime from time to time. And then like, you know, the last, one of the last conversations he had when he had, I think he had a seizure, I had text him. I said, yo, bro, I hope you, I hope you okay. You know what I mean? We, I think we, I text him and then we FaceTime and I was like, bro, you got your son. You know what I mean? Like we got to be here for him. Can't be playing with that health. He like, yeah, man. And then one day I hit him again and I was like, how you feeling? He's like sober as a motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I mean? Wow, really? But um, yeah, man, he was, I think that, you know. And like I said, man, like in Chicago, they go through a lot of trauma. They go through a lot of shit. And, you know, that shit starts, you know, you start medicating yourself and you go into a hole, man, and it's tough to get out of. But, you know, um, my, my condolences to his, you know, his lady and, and, and his child and his family. He, I never got a chance to meet him face to face, but we like we had a good rapport with each other. R.P. Fredo. Okay, last question. Mm-hmm. Academics has like his own platform. You guys do the show together. Is there a part of you that wants to start your own thing, like your own podcast or your own video series, YouTube thing? Yeah, man. I actually like I've been I've been working on a few things, man. I've been working on a few things. Um. I've been trying to like it's it's crazy because because I was kind of thrust into it and I was part of a show. It's like I'm on a team. It's like I don't know what it really is to be the star player of my own thing. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like I've been learning. Like I learned from academics. I learned from watching your platform. You know, I pay attention to like with say cheese. That's another one of the drinks I, I like a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of different people do, and I just you know. I pay attention. I've been writing down a lot of ideas, but like 2020 is going to be good for me, man. I'm working on some shit. Yeah. You know what I mean, I'm working on my own stuff. A lot of people want me to write a book. A lot of people want me to write, Um, I mean, they want me to write a book. They want me to do um different things. Uh, top of the year, me and one of my partners, Jonelle, we're working on doing like a master class where we're going to go around and do like a tour. We, I have these same type of conversations and teach like the youth and just people who want to learn about business, you know, the business and give them some, you know, well wishes. So there's yeah. going to be a lot of stuff coming in 2020 for me. Dude, I feel like the fans... I'm gonna really appreciate this. Two hours of M22 and Wayno getting deep. Oh man, I really appreciate this. This is Adam, a gem man. right yes. here, bro. This is I classic shit, that, brother. Man. Thank you. I appreciate man. you for real, Thank man. you for real. I appreciate your team too, man. Yeah, for man. real. I appreciate anybody doing dope shit for uh for the culture, making advancing shit, you know, having those conversations and stuff. And a lot of times it goes like the work that you guys do, sometimes I think it goes underappreciated. Like when I think about it, mm-hmm. I think about how much I like watching Joe Budden shit. I'm like, man, him and Ack were on camera every day. For like a year, yeah. I wasn't watching it every day. Right, <laughs> I took it for granted. Yeah, man. You know, I feel that way when I think about a lot of the good content out there. It's like, damn, I'm not. Yeah, I and really I just, yo, Adam. Lastly, I, I just say this, man. Like, I'm not competing with nobody. Like, yeah. I, like, I, I feel like so many people is just trying to compete. It's like everybody wants to start their thing, and they want to. And I mean, we are competing in a sense, but I mean, like, I don't look at Joe as like. Man, I can't watch State of the Culture, man, because he was on Everyday Struggle and I'm da 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 da. And I don't look at it like, you know, you Adam 22 and you. I look like, yo, listen, man, I'm a person. I love hip hop. I love hip hop culture. I like the sub things set around it. And I'm into what I'm into. And I'm going to support anybody who builds any any type of content that I'm into. And I'm going to fuck with it. So mm-hmm. it's like for me, I'm just on a, I'm on a wave and a vibe where I'm just on some shit like, man, I'm on some worldly shit, man. Mm-hmm. I'm. I'm happy. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my life. And I ain't even yeah, getting rich good. yet. That's you know fire. I mean? <laughs> you got richer though, right? Ah, richer, but not rich yet. <laughs> well, but I might really have the finally rich album like when I get See? there. See, <laughs> there you go. You get the back piece, finally right. rich. <laughs> album cover. Absolutely. There you go, man. Hey, I appreciate you coming through for real, man. Thank it's you, dope brother. to actually get to know you. Absolutely. And to get to connect on this level. And I think the fans are really going to appreciate We're gonna it. We're going to keep so. it going too, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Wayno. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes. Like, comment, subscribe. No, NoJumper.com if you want to support. No Jumper Cushion stores. <laughs> Appreciate y'all. Peace.